0: At last the day has arrived, the game that everybody has been talking about for the past six weeks in college football, the defending national champions from Nebraska, playing their arch rivals from Oklahoma, ranked number two, and of course it is a sellout crowd here at Owen Field in Norman, Oklahoma. I think a lot of the people in Nebraska have narrowed it down to almost a one-game season where uh, you can do pretty well, but if you don't beat Oklahoma, you've had a bad year, so naturally there's a lot of heat on us to win. The comments of the head coaches of Oklahoma and Nebraska. College football today from Lincoln, Nebraska's Memorial Stadium. The Big 8 shootout between these two offensive giants. Number one ranked Oklahoma against number four ranked
1: Nebraska. Eleven times in the last half century, one of these two schools has been crowned national champion. Nebraska and Oklahoma, the Huskers and the Sooners. So many times, so many big games. It always
0: had national significance because whoever won this went to the orange bowl and played in the orange bowl for the national championship you knew that it was uh, it was going to be a top of the line game that uh, you know that was going to stretch you to the fullest but just me and tom Osman standing on the sideline we both had good football players
1: great players all americans and heisman winners players who produce moments forever burned into our college football memories
0: of course uh Uh, the 1971 game, where we were ranked 1 and 2, a great
2: football game.
0: To the 40, to the 35, to the 20, to the 10, he's all the way home! There was something about us having the ability in the 4th quarter to make enough plays to win the football game. He throws it, he hits roll, he pitches it, into feedback, feedback, first down! And the tough thing was, if you lost it, you had to live with it for a year. It games like this that you didn't have to worry about getting your team ready to play.
1: And so fitting that the final championship game features two rivals connected across time. He's all the way home! Across borders, before the Republic was even formed. But territory is still turf, home soil, and the schools that stand on it are symbols of the proud states they serve. So when these teams meet, there's more than a game on the line. Even when the Big 12 title is at stake like today no this one is about legacies and long-held grudges this is exhibit a for rivalry for what the word truly means this is oklahoma versus nebraska the land the people and their teams welcome to the gold big redcast the husker fan sports show
3: Welcome to the
4: Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, Honky, and I'm with Boomer. Well, glad to be back on the show. I was attempting a merger with some Big 12 and Pac-12 podcasts, but that kind of fell through. The, the media dollars didn't come through like I hoped. Uh, UCF podcasts just don't bring the value that you'd like to see, so I'm back <laughs> with you guys for another season. Another season it is. Yeah. Season 7 of the Redcast. Who, who'd have thought? Oh, we, yeah, we'd crazy. make it seven seasons. So, crazy, huh? Given our records, I'm kind of surprised we have. So. <laughs>
3: Well, tonight we are joined by the, the Husker historian himself, Mike Babcock, editor at Hill Varsity. Uh, welcome back to the Redcast, Mike.
4: Hey, thanks,
5: uh, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, age is about the only thing I have that I can say, yes, that's true.
3: <laughs> well, a lot has happened since the last time we had you on. Uh, it was actually February of 2020. It was the month before COVID. It was our last show before COVID was when we had you on. We did a, a Husker History 101. We'll probably put the link to that in the uh, in the description here because uh, we put the, we posted that out to YouTube as well. So that's a great you know hour plus of listening pleasure. That was an audio only show. Uh, this time we have Mike in the flesh here. Um, and uh, tonight we're going to be talking about Nebraska and Oklahoma, a great rivalry there. Uh, but before we get to that, let's take a moment to uh, promote an upcoming show and also talk about some of our uh, sponsors. Uh, Next up uh, on Monday night, July 25th at 8 p.m., we'll have Paul Jake Jacobson, a Nebraska football audio historian. Uh, You can find him at Husker Tapes on Twitter and Historical Husker Media on YouTube. And you're going to see some of his work uh, throughout the, the course of this show tonight. Uh, also, of course, our promo code Redcast go to hillvarsitycom subscribe Mike would like you to go there, subscribe to Hill Varsity and uh, if you use Redcast, you can get10 dollars uh, uh, off your subscription for the year there. So uh, make sure you, you go down there and do that Redcasters. Uh, also, we have Alumni Hall uh, with two Lincoln locations. They still have their downtown one at 1120 p Street, but they have opened a new one at South Point Pavilions, 2910 Pine Lake Road. it's right behind uh, Barnes and Noble. And, of course, you can find them online, alumnihall.com slash Nebraska dash Cornhuskers. Also, FSC Edge. Uh, Are you looking to make a career change? Then FSC Edge is the place for you. You'll get a chance to work with fun people with great attitudes, all the while learning about patents. You're not on the phone. You're not customer-facing, so casual dress is the norm. But you'll have access to generous benefit packages while doing impactful work on a national scale. So if this sounds like what you're looking for, then check check out the available jobs at at edge or FSC.com. It confuses me because FSC, and I'm, I'm so used to saying FCS, Boomer. It, it, right. it just gets me. Football on the brain. Absolutely. And then last but not least, our good friends at, at Smack and Smooch, Shane and Laura and Elwood, uh, custom shirts and specialty items. Uh, you can see their QR code here. You can also find them at Smack and Smooch on Twitter and Facebook. I am wearing my Husker or my Redcast polo that they made me. They're also getting into some hats and they've been doing koozies. Boomer, you have your uh, Redcast Polo over there, mm-hmm. and uh, so, anyways, you know, some great sponsors there. Go and support all of them, uh, Redcasters. But, but back to the show. And for those young Redcasters out there, they may not fully comprehend the history of this rivalry. But uh, this year marks the 88th year of the uh, of the 88th time of this rivalry. So, to bring a little order to what's how we're going to break this down, um we're going to do this into four chunks. We're gonna do a segment on the early years, which we're defining as 1912 to 1961. Uh, The Devaney era is 1962 to 72. Then there's the Osborne era, 73 to to 97. And then the modern era, 1998 to now. And with the help of our good friends at Winsipedia, as you can see here, this is going to be the 88th year. And what you'll notice as you look at this is that there's a lot of streaks. Any of the, the red lines represents a Nebraska victory. And the the gold lines going down there, those are Oklahoma ones. So That's you see a lot
4: of streak. geometry paid off for you in high school. Yeah, thank, so, you. I like that. thank you
3: very much. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a very, it's been a streaky um, series as I think we'll get to talking about um, Nebraska's largest margin of victory was 69 to seven. We've had seven straight was our longest streak in Oklahoma. Their biggest victory was 48 to zero in 1949. And their longest streak was 16. So, you know, before we get into the actual, the segments and everything, Mike, I want to start with you. Just in general, I guess when when we think about Nebraska and Oklahoma, what's some of the first things that come to mind with this uh, with the rivalry and and everything about the two programs?
5: Well, um, because I have have read about the history of of what this is, the the thing that always gets me about the Nebraska Oklahoma rivalry is is how they became conference members, how they how they got together. Um, they had played in 1912. They played 1912. It was an on-conference game. I think Oklahoma initially was in the Southwest Conference. And in 1919, I need to get my date straight here. You know, I forget things. Pretty <laughs> in 1919, Nebraska scheduled Oklahoma as an on-conference game in Omaha as part of a doubleheader. Creighton played Marquette, and Nebraska played Oklahoma. And Nebraska basically picked up the tab for this whole thing. It's in Oklahoma. The Missouri Valley Conference, of which Nebraska was a member, I think there were nine schools in the conference at the time, uh, had instituted a policy where you played your home games in the hometown. In other words, Nebraska played its home games in Lincoln. It didn't play them anywhere else. That was the rule. And when Nebraska decided to play this doubleheader, there were some alums in Omaha that convinced him to do it. Um, Nebraska was suspended from the league. Now it was too late to change the schedule in 1919, so Nebraska still played some of the Missouri Valley Conference foes in that in that year. But Nebraska played Oklahoma in this doubleheader. Um, there one of the histories in nebraska said there were 40 punts in the two games (laughs) the the marquette creighton game ended up in a scoreless tie the nebraska oklahoma game ended up in a 7-7 tie and the result was nebraska came out two thousand dollars ahead which the history said had nebraska played the game in lincoln it would have made just as much money Okay.
4: Oh, the games, even then. Yeah. Well, so Nebraska is
5: suspended from the conference in in nineteen twenty. Okay.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: Who is brought into the conference to replace Nebraska? Grinnell the Valley
4: Conference, nineteen twenty. Boomer Oklahoma. Oh, well, Grinnell was nineteen nineteen, then Oklahoma mm-hmm. was nineteen twenty. Yeah, yeah right, Grinnell. Yeah.
5: If you look at the old facade on the east side of the stadium, you see all these schools up there, and you see Grinnell, you see Drake. You see mm-hmm. uh, Washington of Missouri, you know, with the Kansas Aggies or whatever. and It's like, what are those schools doing up there? Nebraska was in a conference with them. That's what they're doing.
3: Up yeah, there. the Missouri Valley at the time.
5: Um. Anyway, so that's how Oklahoma got in the conference. Then in mm-hmm. 1921, Nebraska act asked to be reinstated into the conference, was allowed back into the conference. And so now you've got Nebraska and Oklahoma are conference rivals. And from that point on, there were only two years that Nebraska and Oklahoma didn't play until 1995 when the Big 12 was established. So,
2: mm-hmm.
5: they, you know, it was – it's like, how did they get in the same conference? Well, they played this game that got Nebraska suspended from the conference, and then Oklahoma took that place. <laughs> um, eventually, Oklahoma State was added briefly. Uh, the feeling was – There's too many schools in this conference now because I think it was up to 10. And in about 1928, I might be be wrong by a year or so, um, uh, six schools broke off into the big six. It was Oklahoma. It was Nebraska. It was Missouri. It was Iowa State. It was Kansas State. It was Kansas. And it was the big six until uh, 1947. Colorado came in. I think 1960, Oklahoma State came in. Mm -hmm. So. Nebraska, Oklahoma—that's that's where the tradition began, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, as 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 you know, early on, Nebraska dominated. Uh, I think winning 16 of the first 22 games between the schools. Um, so that's what I always think of. You know, it's just like this weird bit of history. How did they get together? Um, and then in that in that time frame, the first time frame you're talking about, the other thing I think of is the 59 game obviously
3: oh um, sure yeah a lot
5: of people do um because there's you know up to that point after nebraska dominated then oklahoma dominated and and uh, from 1943 to 52 through 58 uh oklahoma beat nebraska 16 in a row um and uh and and kind of dominated the uh the conference, even though that, and and during that time, 53 to 57, Bud Wilkinson had that 47-game winning streak, which will probably never be broken. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he had a, uh, uh, I think it was a uh, 31-game conference winning streak, which ended in, uh, I know the 1950 Nebraska game when Oklahoma beat Nebraska, that was the 30th win in that in that street. Mm-hmm. Um, so Oklahoma kind of became a dominant force. And th- so, we're, you know, I'm rambling here, but <laughs> the 59 game, um, if we want to talk about that a little, I, there's a lot of intrigue.
3: We, we will, yeah, there. we will get to it for sure.
5: Um, but yeah, the first thing I think of is how do they get to be conference rivals? The second thing I think of is the 78 game, because that was the first year I was at the Lincoln Journal and Star. It was my first Nebraska-Oklahoma <laughs> game to cover, and it remains my favorite Nebraska game of all time because of that. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up with the Nebraska-Oklahoma uh, rivalry, and and uh, you know Bob Devaney was a big factor in that, getting things turned around on that, and I was you know, younger and thought – I'd never heard of Bob Devaney, so I didn't know why they'd hired him, but –
3: <laughs> well, I mean, Boomer, I think that's a great intro for
4: you then. I mean, when you think at, at, a, at a high level, what do you think of when you hear the NU OU series? Well, I guess from my perspective, you know, I grew up in Texas originally, um, and this was the only real exposure I ever had to Nebraska growing up down there. You know, particularly in the era we grew up in when every game wasn't on TV. You only saw a handful a year, and this would be the one Nebraska game that I would regularly see on TV you know, after Thanksgiving. And, you know, so that was probably my first exposure to Nebraska and just in general, just watching mm-hmm. this game. So it's always kind of had some meaning there. And the first game I ever attended live in person was a Nebraska-Oklahoma game. It would have been, oh gosh, what year would that have been? Was that the 91 one? I, it was said? 91 and it was just freaking ice cold. It was freezing rain after Thanksgiving. I have never been more cold in my life, except for maybe at the game in Kansas City in the snow when we played Oklahoma as well. There's just some something about you know, freezing in Oklahoma just goes with me, I guess. But <laughs> so there's always just kind of been a but, connection just as far as Nebraska, Oklahoma, that just my initial exposures to Nebraska have always come through the Oklahoma game. So it's always mm-hmm. kind of been of interest there for me. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, one of the things I think about uh,
3: is how this is a unique rivalry. And Mike, I think you set it up perfectly where it's not a, a traditional rivalry where you're not in state hatred. It's not a, you know, Kansas K state or Oklahoma Oklahoma state. It's not border rivals. We're not Kansas, Missouri. We're not uh, Michigan, Ohio state uh, geographically. And historically, it doesn't make a lot of sense yet. It was all about what went on on the field. And then there's this mutual respect. And I want to show this little clip here. And this is from a uh, bremser at the beginning of the uh, game of the century talking about the Oklahoma fans. I think this was interesting. And let me say
0: that the fans here at Oklahoma have been very, very fine all the way. Very fine, very fine. Not out of line at any time. And they treat the Nebraska fans with great respect. And I have not heard of uh, one thing other than that.
3: So there you are going into the Oklahoma Nebraska, the great 1971 game that we're going to get to. But you have all the the makings of this hatred and just you know be being mean and terrible to each other like we see in so many games. And Oklahoma fans treated Nebraskans you know with the utmost respect according to uh, uh, Bremser there. And, and Nebraska fans pride ourselves on on returning that. doesn't mean it didn't get heated at times. don't get me wrong, but it's just that the, that's something that's I think unique and special about this rivalry too, just from the start, you know. Um, but let's get to talking about that let's get into this first era. I'm going to find this uh, here we go. And the first, uh, the early years, 1912 to 1961, Nebraska went 18 and 20 and had three ties during this time. And Mike, as you were explaining here during this, uh, this era, Nebraska dominated the beginning as we see, and then Oklahoma went on their tear. So, um, I'll start with you, Mike here. Let's go back to 1912 Uh, something that you and boomer have in in common, uh, jumbo steam, uh, (laughs) a a love of jumbo steam. It starts in 1912. We get through the, you know, we're let's talk about the teens and let's talk about the twenties. Let's kind of stay in that era right now and, and start talking about this. So go Mike.
5: (laughs) Well, I, you know, I should defer to boomer because he's probably the (laughs) steam expert here. Well,
4: well, it's just, that was the original meeting of the, the teams was 1912, um, Nebraska, Oklahoma. Um, and that kind of, in a lot of ways, set the tone for what the, the rivalry was going to be. It was a uh, game finished 13 to nine, but Oklahoma scored first. And uh, Vic Halligan had a quality comeback game in that, leading Nebraska on a couple of touchdown drives to to score and take the lead. And it was kind of the beginnings of almost what Sooner Magic happened. They got the ball the last bit of the game and went on two big, two big plays and got the ball down in Nebraska territory, just fell short. They ran out of time and game ended 13 to nine. That would have been, you know, pretty shocking upset for a, you know, Jumbo Steam Team, as as you all know, uh, he was a fairly decent coach for us. If you have watched <laughs> the show before, I like to bring that up on occasion. That you know, uh, you like a statue built. Yeah, a statue would be nice. Serious, yeah. just something simple like that. Nothing, nothing tacky or t- you know, tasteless. But uh, that really kind of set the tone, I think, for the for for the rivalry to come. Just that very first meeting we had, mm-hmm. and kind of there was a kind of a different era back then too. Uh, Oklahoma was kind of known as the pass heavy team back then. They were. Well known for throwing, airing the ball out. Nebraska took the opposite approach. We were, we liked to run and use a lot of misdirection and things like that. So it was just kind of set that other tone for just difference in styles and things. What would airing the ball out mean back then? Is that they, like eight passes well, a game? Yeah, yeah more. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> it could be <laughs> that many or more, but yeah, they they threw the ball quite a bit. Actually, if you go back and read all the literature and read the, the newspaper clippings and the yearbook, they talk about how Oklahoma would throw the ball a lot. It was a Southerners thing to do is how they put it you know, in some of, the, some of the terminology I read and Nebraska might throw the ball goes. a couple times, maybe. So, you know. But steam
5: didn't do that, though. No, he, no. So he, uh, his teams were just really aggressive, and if if you got hurt, you didn't come out because if you did come out, you might never play again. Yeah. I and mean, that's that's how demanding Jumbo team was, and uh, um, I don't think you know they they called them the steamrollers. I'm not sure that he necessarily appreciated that, um, from what I. From what I've read in some of the student uh, the yearbooks and the student newspaper, or whatever, but uh, you know they were a grinded out kind of team. So Oklahoma was probably lucky that it only played Nebraska that one year because uh, when Steam was the coach, because I think he probably would have done some damage. In fact, uh, Minnesota, the first two years, Nebraska lost to Minnesota, um, and those were the only two losses I think during Steam's tenure. He was thirty-five-two and three. Um, and then the third year they beat Minnesota and Minnesota dropped them. Minnesota, yep. <laughs> the uh coach, uh, slash athletic director or whatever the guy that ran the program, he was so upset that he just dropped them from the I, M- them.
3: Nebraska's the only team to have a winning record against the uh, the four horsemen and the Notre Dame dropped
4: us, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, apparently, although, yeah,
5: you know, that was that had more to do with uh. Uh, the Klan having an office in Lincoln, a, oh, a building yeah, was... here, and the treatment of the Notre Dame fans um, in uh, what was it the last year that they played that game, nineteen twenty-three. That sounds right. Yeah. Um. So twenty-three or twenty-five. I'm one of those. Mm-hmm. But that's why. That's why that was discontinued. Newt Rockne wanted to keep playing, wanted the series to go on because it was a good money maker for Notre Dame to come to Lincoln because of the number of fans that came here and the the revenue it generated. But the administration at Notre Dame said no. The way the fans were treated, um, and uh, they made a uh, the halftime show. They made fun of the Four Horsemen. They uh, mm. they made them out as hod carriers, like which meant. The implication was that they got paid to play. So
4: because,
3: that was not as respectful yeah. of a rivalry as no, what no. we're. No, that was not. Nebraska it wasn't and NIL
4: hadn't quite taken off yet either. <laughs> so yeah, a little um, different era. That and was and
5: uh, yeah, there were there were underlying reasons that uh, that came to an end, and then they didn't play again until the '40s. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, Nebraska didn't do very well there, but. Um, mm-hmm. Tom Novak. Tom Novak did. He, he earned a lot of respect in the way he played against Notre Dame. But he was,
3: he was a good. I guess. Um So, Boomer, I guess we kind of get through the teens, and 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 a lot starting to happen with college, with Nebraska football as we're getting into the twenties. They're going to be building a stadium. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's starting to happen now in those those early twenties here?
4: Well, it, like uh, you know, Mike had said, that's we joined the same conference. You know, both in the Missouri Valley, soon to become the Big Six, Big Eight. Um, and Started playing, you know, on basically an annual basis, and it it the series kind of kept going the way it had been. Nebraska dominated those early games again, same kind of thing. Oklahoma was pass heavy; we tended to, to run the ball a lot more. I know in the twenty two game, we we aired it out for Nebraska purposes and scored uh, three of our six touchdowns uh, by passing, so that kind of caught everyone off guard. But uh, <laughs> and then I think the the next real big uh, moment in that in the series was in nineteen twenty three, uh, which is the first game ever played in uh, what. Was going to be Memorial Stadium, so were, Nebraska, Oklahoma, they were our first uh, first game played then, and no grass had been installed yet, so they played on dirt, and it kind of a unique situation. It's the first game played there, and it was also kind of the OG of the alternate uniforms for Nebraska. We uh, wore blue actually in the in that game, so if anyone's excited to see us wear blue maybe this year against Oklahoma. We could really bring something back. <laughs> yeah, that was a, that. Yeah, Oklahoma brought up its maroon jerseys or whatever, and they
5: couldn't figure out how to differentiate the team. So Nebraska agreed to uh, wear a different color jersey so that they could, so they could differentiate. So that was, you know, that's what was, that was what caused them to do that. And uh, it wasn't it the dedication was game. The dedication game was against Kansas, mm-hmm. um, which Nebraska had played the de- dedication game at Kansas Stadium and same way here. But yeah, that was the first game played there.
4: Hmm.
3: Um, so I guess, you know, we're now, Mike, I'll kind of hand it back over to you. We're getting into the twenties here. And would that be, is that Dina X Bible? No, he was in the 30s, right? first, uh, Yeah. Uh, was it the 20s, first,
5: yeah. Red Dawson. Dawson first. And then, okay. uh, uh, yeah. When Bible, I think, uh, he played against, uh, he won the last six. I know mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. against Oklahoma. And then he, took off uh and uh who replaced
4: him oh gosh it was after bible Oh uh, what year did he leave would that
3: have been like diff jones or
4: that might be about right yeah so yeah that might be yeah that sounds right so
3: well to keep going to, to kind of reiterate to go back to this right now you know we're, we're you know about mostly through the red here as we're getting into the thirties, you know. So we, we dominate this whole first part of the series, everything through the teens through the twenties. We start getting in the 30s and then that would be the the uh the Bible years and yeah he won like six in a row or Nebraska was having a lot of success against Oklahoma at this time. Yeah in the conference to, as well and, and in the conference as well. So what starts to happen in the 30s? What's the transition that um, starts to Well, I guess it would have been all the way – it's the 41 season is our last really good year at that point where we go to the – or the 40 season where we go to the Rose Bowl. But um, what starts to change? What happens
4: where we – Something happened in 41 that kind of – yeah.
3: (laughs) Yeah, yes. Yeah, the war had had some effect here. But, you know, it had an effect negatively on Nebraska. But also what happens with Oklahoma? When do they start to get it turned around, Mike? You know, I don't – I never did figure out what –
5: What changed for Oklahoma? You know, some of it was – some of it had to be population-based and the proximity to Texas Mm -hmm. um, because of your ability to get more athletes. Although, you know, the Rose Bowl team, Nebraska had uh, every every player on the team except one was from Nebraska. There was one guy from Kansas on that team. Um, And one thing that did change – and i couldn't give you a time frame but i know it was in this general time frame was that some schools were effectively giving players scholarships or paying them to play that was mm-hmm. one of the things and nebraska didn't do that you know players could get jobs um they helped them do that but but they didn't pay them and i, I remember um reading a story in a newspaper account from about 1941 or 42, somewhere in there uh, where players were talking about having talked to uh, players from the other team when they came up to Lincoln to play the game. And they were talking about, "Oh, we get this and this and this. You don't get anything like that. And the Nebraska guy had said, uh, no, we don't get anything like that. I, I really believe that's one of the things that changed. Um, and Nebraska didn't start giving scholarships on a consistent basis until the '50s, mm-hmm. um, but I think other programs did. And Oklahoma could have been one of those. I'm not saying it was, but there was that um, there was that possibility. I think that that enabled programs to develop because they were they had a if you call it scholarships or whatever it was they were they were giving these a uh, players an opportunity to uh, make some money
4: in in doing this. I think uh, Wilkinson even got Oklahoma on probation a couple times I think in the 50s for Well, 50s. you know Not that's slush fund. Yeah, so yeah. yeah there's some so
5: it was there's some drama there. Yeah, Oklahoma yeah. went
4: on was uh
5: uh there was a probation probation year in 56, I know that. Um and then there was one in 73 and I think there was one to 456. Um but uh yeah, that's part of the intrigue of the fifty-nine Nebraska-Oklahoma game.
3: Well, let's let's get to that actually. So basically, we know that you know Oklahoma started to turn it around. Nebraska went downhill in the 40s, and over the course of the 40s and 50s, that's when Oklahoma had their long win streak. And this is something you 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 mentioned this when we did our Husker History 101. You mentioned it before this show too. Oklahoma didn't have a a, a conference winning streak, they had a conference unbeaten streak, right, right. going into Correct. the 59 game. And of course the 59 game uh, some of the intrigue too is we're coached by Bill Jennings who was an Oklahoma former Oklahoma um, uh, coach there and uh, it's, it was a huge upset here we're going to show the video here Leroy Zentik, uh getting a, a punt return, uh, return. the East High coach long time then right.
5: Jackie Holt split wide
0: to the right side quick kick for the Sooners it's partially blocked as Cornell trying to get that one off the ball is rolling free one of the Huskers has it it could be going all the way. It's the Roy to the five. He's over. The Roy picked up that loose ball. There's a flag, however, on the twenty-two, but the penalty must Oklahoma. Roy Zedek picked up that loose ball. We could have the upset of the year in the making.
3: The upset of the year in the making, Mike. Oh, oh yeah. I've got a program from that game. Oh yeah. so I yeah, I mean what what did that game? mean at that moment i mean how big of an upset was that i mean to try to put that in perspective for the, the red casters that uh, maybe don't have a, a, as clear of a memory there of it
5: okay so you got the 74 game conference unbeaten streak there's there's two ties involved in that you've got the the little okay so let's go back to 1958 february nebraska upsets wilt chamberlain in kansas okay huge huge upset Although people think Kansas was number one, Kansas wasn't number one. I think it was either uh, number six or number four, something like that. But Wilt Chamberlain didn't make any difference where they were ranked. as was Wilt Chamberlain, and they had beaten Nebraska earlier in the season. I think one hundred and two to one hundred and two to something, and Chamberlain outscored Nebraska and and uh, or one hundred and four to something. And, and the headline in the newspaper said Wilt Chamberlain fifty-two Nebraska or well, Chamberlain 52, Kansas 52, Nebraska like 40 something or whatever. <laughs> uh, then Nebraska comes back and beats Kansas in Lincoln. Uh, Jim Kabaki hits a shot and and uh, it's a big upset. So the students go to the Chancellor, Clifford Harden, and say, We want can- classes canceled on Monday because of this big victory. And Harden says, Okay, on one, we have one stipulation. Classes are canceled, but they will not be canceled ever again until Nebraska beats Oklahoma. Okay, <laughs> this is in February 1958. So now we're now we're October 31st, 1959. It's mm-hmm. Halloween for one thing, mm-hmm. um, and it's not the last game of the of the conference season for Nebraska. It's one of three times that it, that Oklahoma wasn't from 1950 to to '95. Um, you've got Jennings. Who, who went to Norman High School. He played football at Norman High School. Then he was an assistant coach at Oklahoma. And the story was that the investigation, which led to the, the uh, penalty, in uh, the NCAA penalty in 1956, the one-year uh, penalty, uh, was involved in recruiting infractions and that Jennings was sort of the recruiting coordinator for Oklahoma He ended up being the fall guy, supposedly, for this whole investigation after the 53 or 54 season when the investigation is going on. So Oklahoma gets him a job with an oil company and releases him, you know, as part of this investigation on the on the uh, on the uh, uh, recruiting violations thing. Okay, so. 1956, Nebraska hires Pete Elliott, who had been an assistant at Oklahoma. He comes to Nebraska, and he gets Bill Jennings as an assistant, gets him back into coaching, brings him up here. So Pete Elliott coaches one year Mm -hmm. and then takes off for California, and Bill Jennings succeeds him as coach. So that's how Bill has got there. All right. Now, the the other bit of intrigue and where this fits in here is supposedly Jennings and Wilkinson had an agreement that if Nebraska was recruiting anybody in Oklahoma, um, Jennings would let Wilkinson know about it and Wilkinson would sign off on it or he would, he would quit doing it. And if Wilkinson was recruiting anybody in Nebraska, Jennings would have to sign off on it. And before If he didn't, then Wilkinson would back away. Except that Oklahoma was interested enough in Monty Kiffin that Oklahoma, that Wilkinson flew up to Lexington, Nebraska to talk to Monty Kiffin, and Jennings found out about it and got upset about it. Okay, so we got (laughs) all this going on. Now they play the game. Nebraska pulls the upset, ends this conference unbeaten streak, and Oklahoma was 4-3 and at that point. Nebraska was two and four, I think, going into that game. Um, and there's more. Oklahoma has another probation, one-year probation thing in 1960. And there's all this. Well, Jennings, you know, it's Jennings' fault. He's blowing the whistle on Oklahoma, and so Oklahoma tries to blow the whistle on Nebraska for recruiting some guy in Wichita, Kansas, that didn't end up come to Nebraska. So when Nebraska plays Oklahoma in 1960, the year after that, Nebraska wins again. And Jennings has to have a police escort off the field because the fans are so irate (laughs) about it. So you talk about drama. There was all this drama going on that involved a guy who had gone to Norman High School and had been coached there by a guy who coached at Oklahoma before Jim Tatum and then the Bud Wilkinson thing. So that yeah, there was a lot mm-hmm. of drop on that 59 game underneath the game itself, not just to mention you know how it came out.
3: So that, that yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah. So I mean that that starts to wrap up kind of the 50s, gets us into the sixties. And like you said, they that Nebraska even won in sixty, and then in sixty one, Oklahoma wins that that game, and that's the final game of the Jennings era against Oklahoma. And that kind of closes out. If we go back to what the early years are, we're, we're saying this segment, this this goes to 61. So, Mike, if I could kind of maybe synopsis of, of what we just got done talking about, that this first era here, um, right here, you know, so eighteen twenty 3 1912 to 1961, kind of a synopsis of this era. Where are we at in the the program leaving this as as Devaney starting to come in? Because we're going to get into the Devaney era next. But, like, right now, I mean, how do we kind of put a bow on, on everything that's happened up to this point in the series?
5: Well, for Nebraska – you know, Oklahoma, we see where Oklahoma's going with this 47-game winning streak from 53 to 57 and then this conference-unbeaten streak of 74 games. Um, you know, Oklahoma had things rolling. Nebraska had – was going through coaches trying to find somebody. Um, you know, uh, uh, Bill Glassford had uh, what well, he had a winning season or two in there, uh, but Nebraska just didn't didn't have any success. I mean, J- Jennings didn't have a winning season. Elliott didn't have a winning season, and and uh, there was a lot of drama with the end of the Glassford era. You know, there was a, a kind of a player revolt. Uh, uh, started by uh, some alumni in Omaha, uh, and a petition to get rid of him, and, and so forth. And he backed away, even though he had another year on his contract. I think he said, "I don't need any more of this. I'm out of here." Um, Nebraska was trying to get some stability in coaching, which it really hadn't had since the Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. I mean, Nebraska didn't have but what two or maybe two winning seasons, um, maybe not. Yeah. Two Winning seasons and, and a 500 season, uh, from the Rose Bowl up until the uh, uh including the uh, 59 game,
3: mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So, really, uh, up until the very recent era of Husker football, the down years of Nebraska football were the, the 40s yeah. and, the, and the 50s. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that, and so, really, that is what Devaney is kind of inheriting as he's starting to come in. Hey, uh, Redcast, Rob, I know you're on the back end here doing some producing for us. Do we have any questions uh, uh, that uh, have come in so far from the uh, listeners All right, or the viewers? We have Abby Harris. Why do you think the Nebraska-Oklahoma rivalry was was more respectful than any other Nebraska rivalry? Mike?
5: Uh, You know, I think some of it was that, again, Oklahoma's bitter rival was Texas. You know, there was a lot of bitterness there. Um, Nebraska – because of the lack of success that we talked about during those times, probably didn't have any position to be to be abrasive to anybody. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, I think that I think the I think the, uh, the connection. Uh, I, I'm going to fast forward because I think the, the the respectfulness was towards the end of the, the of the Devaney era and during the Osborne era. Mm-hmm. I think there was a lot of respectfulness when Osborne got done, and then you look at it beyond that, I don't think there was so much respect. You know, you talk about the, uh, we can Mm -hmm. talk about it later, the 2004 game. That kind of reflected where that thing was at at that point. You know, Osborne and Switzer maintained some contact. I think a lot of people didn't realize that. I think Barry Switzer, even though there was a lot of controversy about, you know, when he he ended up uh, his time at Oklahoma, um, I remember going down to – I've probably mentioned this before, but I remember going down to Oklahoma. Um, the week of the Nebraska game when it was going to be played in Norman and the newspaper would send me down there and, and you know, we'd write about the game coming up and I did it once or twice. And the Oklahoma people were just extremely cordial. I mean, Mike Treps was the uh, sports information director. He had got begun his career as a as TV broadcaster at uh, – a KHS TV in in Hastings, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Um, I remembered watching wrestling, and he was the the voice, the, the KHS TV uh, wrestling uh, guy. Um, he was the SID. So I'd go down there. It was like you had access to whatever you wanted. You know, they were just very uh, very accommodating. Barry Switzer always called me by a first name. It wasn't my mom wasn't my name, but. I think it was Bob. It was always considered, you know. They were just—it was just a cordial kind of a thing, and I think it carried over, you know, because the coaches maintained some contact, and and because Nebraska fans were, I think, really respectful. And and again, I don't know whether that was a reflection of what Osborne said when they played Oklahoma or what Oklahoma had accomplished or whatever. It wasn't the same way with Missouri. It wasn't the same mm-hmm. way with Colorado. Um, but it certainly was with with Oklahoma, Oklahoma. and I think it began with. It, it had to do a lot with the coaches, um, and you know, Devaney coached Chuck Fairbanks at Michigan State.
3: Hmm.
5: Um, Devaney was an assistant coach there, and majority, yeah. Um, although there was a little friction there, in the '68 uh, uh, game ended up 47 to nothing, Oklahoma, and Bob was not, or wasn't. 60 yeah 68 game Bob wasn't Mm. real happy with that he thought they ran up the score so in 69 Nebraska beat Oklahoma 44 to 14. (laughs) We got uh, we
3: got him back
5: yeah got him back Um, but yeah I I I saw the same thing that's a good question because I saw the same thing uh, a respect that wasn't there for some other programs that was there for Oklahoma mm -hmm. and it was very frustrating so uh you know, Tom's, uh, Bob's record was five and six against Oklahoma. Tom's record was till Switzer left, was five and 12. And then when right. Switzer left, it was eight and one after that.
3: That's right. Well, Redcasters, uh, we're going go to go to part two here. Buckle up. This is going to be a nice show that we've got some, we got a ways to go in this. Um, but, uh, we're going to, when we get done with this, we're going to segment it up too onto YouTube. So each of these, uh, eras will have its own segment. And, uh, so there'll be plenty of ways to watch this, but, uh, let's move into the next one here. And part two, the Devaney era, 1962 to 72. And as you just said there, Mike, uh, you went five and six during that time. Uh, as we look at the, the win loss here, there, there was a little bit of back and forth at the beginning, uh, Oklahoma wing the first one, Nebraska going back and forth there, but then kind of, as we see throughout the, the course of this, Oklahoma has a streak of three wins. Nebraska has a streak of three wins. And then, uh, Oklahoma wins the last one. Um, So let's start it off here. Let's go to 1962. Devaney is brought in. It's his first year. And uh, Wilkinson is is towards the tail end of his uh, career at Oklahoma. And, uh, Mike, I'll kind of let you start there. 1962.
5: Okay. It's not – so 1962, that game is not on commercial television, but it is presented on closed circuit on the big screen at Pershing Auditorium. Mm-hmm. I came down from my hometown of York with some friends to see that game on the big screen. And uh, you went in there and it was on I think four sides, and you could see it and the, the telecast wasn't that great. it didn't turn out but neither was the game. So um, <laughs> and the only thing I remember about it is some is uh, Jim Baffico and a block punt. I mean it, it was 34 to 6, wasn't that the final score? It wasn't mm-hmm. – I had all these high hopes, you know, because Nebraska uh, – Devaney's first loss was to Missouri, 16-7, to and it looked like, hey, you know, things are really looking good here. And, uh, yeah, then it turned out to be not such a good game there. Uh, so we dominated.
3: We lose that first time to Oklahoma, but in season two, 1963 – uh, we get that first win, but that that game is probably more noted for the timing of the game. Uh, Saturday, November twenty third, the day after John F. Kennedy was assassinated in Dallas, and and I've I've read some things and seen some things about how um, Bud Wilkinson, I think he was on some some different like national you know boards that he knew JFK and and made some statement that I you know I think JFK would want the game being played mm-hmm. and that they yeah. we were one of the only games that were was played because a lot of them were being canceled that weekend right
5: yeah yeah uh, I think there was a quote in the in the newspapers uh, about that that well you know uh, JFK would have wanted this game to be played I think I think the driving force behind it uh, to a good to a good degree was the Orange Bowl needed to find out whether it was going to be Nebraska or Oklahoma playing in the Orange Bowl. Um, and, uh, and so I think Orange Bowl officials were involved in that decision-making as well. Um, again, it wasn't televised national, it wasn't a national telecast, but it was televised locally by Channel 10, uh, uh, did televise the game. But, uh, yeah, there was, it was uh, through the night that they supposedly, uh, phone calls back and forth between, uh, Washington, D.C. and the university officials and, like, you know, mm. the, the Orange Bowl and, and so forth as to whether they would play that game. Not very many games were played, but they wanted mm. to get played to determine who would be the Orange Bowl representative.
3: And, and on the field, obviously, that's a huge game for us. It's a huge win for Devaney. Uh, Nebraska wins the Big Eight. They go to the Orange Bowl. They play Auburn. And and uh, it's starting to – now Nebraska starting to get some of that momentum going and some of that success. Uh, in 64, we go back – down to, uh, to oklahoma we we lose to oklahoma in 64 but in 65 we win it and it ends Devaney's or it creates Devaney's first undefeated season the corn huskers have wrapped up their first
0: perfect season in 50 years with 10 wins and no losses coach bob davani's nebraska record is now 38 wins and five losses this is the third consecutive big eight title for coach bob Devaney. Coach Bob Devaney has had a shower. He is dripping wet. Coach, uh, you're all wet. Do you enjoy this kind of a treatment after a ball game? Well, anytime we can go 10 and nothing, I'll take that shower with my clothes on. Very gratefully. Of course, you've set a great, great tradition as a winning coach here, but this is the first time this has happened in the state of Nebraska in 50 years. Well, Mark, it's the first uh, all-winning season that I've ever had as a head coach, also in college football.
3: So, Mike, I mean, they, they just said that their first time in 50 years for the program, first time for Devaney as a coach, an undefeated season. Um, I, I get I, I, get a little lost in these mid-60s. I think of the 70, you know, 69, 70, and 71 teams, but we were starting to really get have a lot of success right here in this era too.
5: Yeah, yeah, he had success. Uh, Devaney was doing what people thought that, you know, he could do when he came here, Um it looked like a great hire, except that they, you know, plan Alabama in bowl games, it wasn't a good situation for the for the Huskers. <laughs> you know, uh, Bear the, Bryant was kind of a frustration for the for the Huskers during that time.
3: There was a Devaney biography I watched that uh and it was great. They were interviewing Devaney about the Alabama and I think it was this, it must have been the next season because we played them back to back in the bowl game and mm-hmm. Bear Bryant calls him up and says, Hey, you know, Bob, uh, you know, we'd love to play you again. We had so much fun last year and everything. And, uh, yeah, it'd be so much fun to play you again. And Devaney goes, they beat the shit out of us. <laughs> and, and, and you know, for any T to allow the S word to be played on it, because you know, they didn't beep it out. Or maybe they beeped it out. But still, it was you know the fact you that yeah, no, we, we no. knew it, Bob, you know, the, the feisty Irishman there, he had to he had to let that little one out there. And uh, But, um, yeah, so, I mean, 65, you know, we went at 66. Uh uh we lost o Oklahoma. We yeah, we lose Oklahoma there. And then I with the last time I talked to you when we did Husker History 101, I kind of made a statement and you, and you called me on it right away. I go, then we had these down years of 67, 68, and you're like, they went six and four. They, yeah. know, it, wasn't, it wasn't terrible. And actually, something I really learned from you here, and I'm gonna play, I'm gonna play this video over while we're talking. You'd mentioned how this is 1967 against Oklahoma. You'd mentioned how 67 actually we had like one of the top defenses in the country. I didn't realize that.
5: <laughs> Number one ranked defense in the country.
3: Yeah, um, number one. So it was just the off, and, and we are seeing some sacks here, and these are tackles in the backfield. so great defense. And actually, I mean, we couldn't put up more than 15 points in a game, it seemed like.
5: Yeah, Wayne Malin uh, finished ninth in voting for the Heisman Trophy that year. He was the middle guard. Um, it started his career as an offensive guard, and they moved him to middle guard, and he was a, became an All-American. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 67, Nebraska had a, a great defense, but but uh, had a problem with uh, quarterbacks throwing interceptions. And uh, uh, Tom Osborne told me once that it was 67, 68. During that time is when he, when he realized that a rushing yard was worth more than a passing yard, mm-hmm. uh, just because of the potential for interceptions and so
3: forth. And like he that. started to become more involved on the offensive side during this time, too. Currently. Yeah, right, exactly. There was a...
5: Uh, there was actually an, a petition circulated in Omaha to get rid of Devaney because uh, Bob always joked, you know, his secretary handled all of his mail and she went through it and, and uh, he said that uh, she must have thrown away the, the letter about the uh, petition being circulated in Omaha because if he'd have known about that, he'd have signed it himself. But, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, there, there was frustration. Two Back-to-back six and four seasons and people were frustrated um, with the program, and the only reason the petition was circulated was because the initial argument was you need to get rid of some assistant coaches, and Bob said, no, I'm not. that's not going to happen. I don't, I'm not going to get rid of any assistant coaches, and then the, circula- the circulation of the petition to get rid of him mm-hmm. and uh, didn't come to anything, obviously, and in 69, you get things turned around. Think about Turn that. Turn around from six and four, six
3: and four. Yeah. yeah. Well, think about that, Boomer. He's He was really guilty of not meeting the standards that he had created. He took yeah, over this program. Took over nothing, you know, he yeah. took over at nothing. And all of a sudden, six and four wasn't acceptable anymore You know, after
4: five years then. Well, and you were like playing. Petitions, getting coaches fired, apparently. That must have been there. 65, 66, and 67,
5: those were all Thanksgiving Day games. Oh, yeah. You know, People always remember the Oklahoma game as Thanksgiving Day. It was played five times on Thanksgiving, 65, 66, 67, 71, and 72. Hmm. The rest of the really? time it was played on the Friday after. I think it was hmm. played 10 times on the Friday after.
3: And you mentioned that only like three times. It was normally the last game of the season, mm-hmm. but on three different occasions um, yep. it, there was a game, a big eight game, a conference game that that uh, followed it. Yeah.
5: yeah, yeah. The 59 one was uh, was – Halloween, and then the uh, 78 game Missouri played played Missouri after that, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll and, get to that uh, one. <laughs> the 87 game played Colorado after that game.
3: Mm-hmm. So 68, as you mentioned earlier, uh, we get blown out, and that's that's mm-hmm. about the time that the petition's coming around. But uh, around this time, uh, we started making some changes with our recruiting, started going more into some JUCOs, getting some, some older guys. I know on the line we got some guys in there. Out west. And- out West. And then obviously some of the young guys that start, you start hearing the names over the course of 69, 70, and 71, you start hearing about Taggy and, and Kenny and Rogers and, and all these guys. So Nebraska uh, in the spirit, the true spirit of this series being a bunch of streaks, we start the streak of 69 to 71. And maybe let's focus on that right now The the 69 season doesn't get a lot of the d- discussion because obviously 70 and 71 are national championship years, but my mom, she went to the, the Sun Bowl in 69, so she's told me about that game and everything, you know, beat Georgia pretty handily, but also we beat Oklahoma handily. What happened in 69, Mike? How did we start to get this thing flipped around that, to, to lead up to what we're going to see the following two years?
5: Well, you had Osborne. I think Tom was effectively the offensive coordinator at that point, although he didn't have that title. You know, Bob never had a, never had anybody with that title. You um, didn't start that until Tom became the head coach. But um, uh, Tom kind of became the offensive coordinator. He started meeting with the quarterbacks, which they hadn't done before. And uh, uh, he, they changed to a kind of a spread offense. You know, that was part of the deal, part of what he needed to do. And then he was one of the guys that was primarily responsible for recruiting on the West Coast, where they got these junior college. You know, uh, Bob Newton, most notably, Mm -hmm. but uh, Bob Bob Terrio was a end up being a linebacker. Uh, Dick Rupert, Carl Johnson came from out west. I mean, they they were getting these guys, Keith Hortman, they were getting offensive linemen. I think one of the things that, that sort of confused them was that when they played Alabama in these bowl games, Alabama had small, quick linemen. And Devaney kind of joked, you know, that, hey, we followed Alabama. We got small linemen, but they weren't quick. <laughs> um, and, and they went – they changed their recruiting pattern. So with that, the change in the offense, and the fact that they had somebody that was responsible for that – he's listed as the end coach, but he was meeting with the quarterbacks and he was basically coordinating the offense. Um, that turned things around. And, you know, at that point, by that point, um, I think it was the, the 69 bowl game. Uh, by then, Bob had told Tom that he wanted him to succeed as head coach. And his plan was to finish after the 71 season. That was Bob's original plan. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Tom thought that He always said, you know, following someone who's as successful as Bob had been uh, was extremely difficult, and he looked into other coaching jobs, including the uh, Texas Tech job, I believe. Um, That year that they went down to the Sun Bowl, Tom went over to Texas Tech and interviewed for the job and didn't get it. Uh, Jim Carlin maybe got it. Um, And Tom looked into a couple other jobs uh, where he could – Coach, one of them was a, a coaching and teaching job at a smaller college, um, kind of thing. But um, that's what turned things around was his his mm-hmm. his direction, I think. And and you know the recruiting thing—you got to have the players, obviously. And Nebraska had a lot of talent.
3: Got a um, lot of talent. Well, that talent's now we're starting to transition in the seventies, and uh, you know here here's the nineteen seventy game.
5: 27
0: yards needed for the touchdown. That could give them a victory if they went for two and made it. Threw it on the wing to the right. Jack Mildren, the quarterback. Here we go. Fourth down play. Mildren drops back to pass. Mildren looks. He throws in the end zone. Tipped in the air. Intercepted by Anderson as the time runs out at the 10. And he runs out of bounds in the far side at
5: the gun.
3: Boomer victory.
5: Now there was not
3: good sportsmanship there on that
5: play. I've no, that, no, not at all. hammered
3: there. <laughs> That's a late hit. Speaking of hammered, these are diplomats that Boomer has made, and these are very good drinks here. Thank you uh, very much. Glad <laughs> I can help. <laughs> <laughs> so, 1970, we we obviously we get the now it's uh, the first time Devaney has won consecutive games in a row. At that point against Oklahoma, and. Uh, through the through the wonderful bowl system that we have in a series of what Texas lost and was it Ohio State? I mean, who were the teams that lost that set Nebraska up to when they played LSU? All of a sudden, that game was for the national championship.
2: Yeah, yeah it was Ohio
5: State lost and Texas lost in bowl games that day, mm-hmm. um, and uh, Nebraska knew then. I think that if, if they could win the game, they had an opportunity to win a national championship. And I think uh, was it Notre Dame that had beat Texas? Mm-hmm. And Parsegian was like, "Oh, you know, we should be national champions," um, but uh, uh, yeah, it didn't happen that way. That's yeah, and Texas
3: right. was national champs in one of the two polls. That- yeah, right, because they, they didn't they do a post bowl,
5: post bowl yeah. uh, poll.
3: Yeah, was that AP or was that UPI? Which one was that? that was that? the
5: uh, UPI that was the coaches' poll? Okay. The Associated Press, the uh, the writers' poll came after the bowl game. Um, so Texas, which got up seven Cotton Bowl by Notre Dame. And Ohio State got upset in the Rose Bowl by Stanford, mm-hmm. is that right? Um, yeah, and that opened the door for Nebraska. And Nebraska knew about it um, by the time kickoff came. Nebraska knew that it that it had an opportunity if it won that game.
3: We're going to talk in a, in a little bit in a, in the next segment. We're going to talk about what bowl games and motivation can can do for a bowl game. But uh, right there, I mean, that says a lot going into that LSU game, knowing. That uh, what we're playing for could be the national championship. I, no doubt, uh, I played a role. And I gosh, oh geez, Guy Ingles talked about who the the little tiny middle guard that we had on the team in '70 that he was just going nuts on the bus. Oh, oh, Poulier, Poulier or something. I can't think of his last name. Um, but it was like this little dude who's like five eleven, but he played middle guard and was just like going crazy on the bus. You know, leading up to the very hey, L- yard. There you go. There you go. <laughs> There you yeah, go. He was, see, uh, I, see, I knew Mike. You're going to fill in every gap of whatever I know. Uh,
5: <laughs> I remember some of these things. But Eddie Perryard was a tough guy, and he wasn't. He was about five foot nine or something, five ten, maybe. He just was really short, but boy, he was tough, and they had a hard time dealing with him.
3: Well, you know, here we are. We we've gotten through the '70 season. That uh, it, it was an undefeated year. We did tie USC, but uh, won the national championship, first ever national championship. That uh, uh, you know, we could claim so many from the steam years we, if we, we, if we sure, were, but We'll get to that later. If we were in Michigan, we would have 38 championships right, right now. We just claim we are, all those.
5: The steam years, 1915, they had an opportunity to go to the Rose Bowl. Yeah, and yeah. The, and the, the administration, administration said no. money.
4: Yeah, yeah They got no,
5: Plus, the faculty said, "Look, this is this would put too much emphasis on athletics. We can't be doing this." Which yeah, is the we reason have that that at the, University of they lost Jumbo spell. Steam yeah. because they wouldn't raise his salary because yeah. the faculty and the administration said no football coach make more than the make more than
4: faculty members even yeah, though I think there even were boosters, boosters even offered to make. pay for it yeah they, they would yeah. even had to come out of university funds they were going to going to pony up the money the boosters but, were going to pay for it and
5: Indiana had offered him 4500 and he said he'd stay for 4250 and the boosters raised the money he was making 35 and the administration said no can't do that can't happen
3: and there's been a curse on the basketball yes, program right. ever since. Well, right? football,
5: we've never won the Big Ten since. That's you true. Know. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah Indiana, but You know, the sad thing school. was that Steam had died of stomach cancer about six years mm-hmm. later. Yeah, it was, Yeah, it
3: wouldn't
4: mm-hmm. have been a long term thing. But, yeah. yeah.
3: yeah. Uh, Rob, do you want to do the FCS Edge one?
2: Yeah, if you're looking for a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having a competitive stable history of over 20 years, what is FCS Edge? They're a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies and they are expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. While working at FSC Edge, you can work with fun people with great attitudes, learn about patents, You're not on the phone, you're not customer facing, so you can dress in your Hawaiian shirts, Nebraska Hawaiian shirts preferably, every single day, and you can work in a new work environment with over $2 million in improvements. So their team is constantly growing, and they're always looking for new people to join in their mission. So check out Available Jobs today at www.jobsatfsc.com. Well,
3: 1971, I mean, this is it. This is the game, the game of the century. Uh, This will probably be its own little segment by itself here, but uh, let's, uh, Boomer, you mentioned that the first game you went to 1991, this Mm -hmm. is actually the first part of this video clip is that game. You can almost feel how cold it is coming through the the video, but this was uh, taken from the 20th, 20th, um, I got some update on my laptop, get that out of the way. This is uh, taken from the 1991 game. Uh, the 20th anniversary of it. Uh, here's the Game of the Century.
0: Over the years, the Oklahoma-Nebraska Thanksgiving Showdown has produced many legendary games. But Devaney is almost always asked to talk about what has become known as a Game of the Century.
1: 20 years ago, almost exactly to the day, uh, it was on Thanksgiving, of course, in 1971. Uh, and here it is 20 years later, and if anything, uh, the game has gotten bigger uh, than it, than it was at the time. And the players all get better, and the coaching
0: gets better, and everything. Seventy-one, the game for number one, unbeaten and untied Nebraska versus unbeaten and untied Oklahoma.
3: Well, Mike, we have this this update that came on my laptop, and I am really hoping it does not restart my computer as uh, um, during it. But, anyways, uh, the Oklahoma game here. Let's talk about the nineteen seventy-one Oklahoma game. Uh, you know, it's number one versus number two. Let's the, all the lead up, everything that, that's going up to it. I mean, what was it like in 1971? Uh, what made that game, I guess, the game of the century?
5: Um, I, in part, I would say the media and sports illustrated probably made it the game of the century. You know, you define it in that way. Um, I remember the cover of, of, uh, sports illustrated, the, uh, uh, irresistible Oklahoma meets immovable Nebraska with uh, Bob Terrio and Greg Pruitt on the cover, and uh, you know, look at the conference how how dramatic uh, at the end of the year. Um, it was Nebraska number one, Oklahoma number two, Colorado number three in the mm-hmm. eight people. Think how strong the conference was then. Um, The only games that Colorado lost were to Oklahoma and Nebraska. The only game Oklahoma lost was to Nebraska. The conference was strong, and, uh, you know, it was the middle of the country, and and it was a Thanksgiving Day game. Um, You know, some of it is just generated by the the circumstances. You know, it didn't hurt that it was on Thanksgiving Day, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You could call it the game of the century because – Everybody's watching, and uh, you know you've got the uh, number one ranked team, number two ranked team has to be. You know what? Uh, you go back to uh, what Notre Dame and and Michigan State, uh, what year that was where they played to a tie where Notre Dame didn't try to win it at the end,
3: <laughs> end up being a national champion. It was that sixty eight or sixty six, maybe. Yeah, that sounds right. The Bubba Smith and um, yeah, but yeah, you know that Colorado team. Well, what what gets lost in '71 is that the Iron Bowl between Auburn and Alabama was against two undefeated teams. That was the first time that that Iron Bowl had been like that. So this is as far as what's going on down there in the state of Alabama. That's as good as those programs are, you know, up to that point. And Auburn goes on loses handily to Alabama. And gets blown out in their bowl game by Oklahoma. Nebraska goes and plays an undefeated Alabama team, you know, Bear Bryant, who thought that was one of his best teams and Mm -hmm. and just waxes the field with them. And that Colorado team, that Colorado team lost by, I think it was, or no, no, I'm sorry. They beat Colorado, beat LSU. The non conference record or schedule for Colorado in 71 was like LSU and Ohio State, two top 10 teams. And and Colorado beat LSU on the road by 10 points. Alabama beat that LSU team on the road by seven. So, you know, to your point, that's how good the Big Eight was. Colorado was the third best team in the country and deservingly, really deservingly. I mean, that was probably a national championship caliber kind of team, except they were just a buzzsaw of a conference with Oklahoma and Nebraska.
5: Yeah, it was, it was really, uh, you know, there was no question. And, you know, yeah, the Iron Bowl, I, I don't think Auburn was as established. As Oklahoma you know what? Alabama certainly was, but Oklahoma and Nebraska both, you'd probably think of both of them before you think of Auburn at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it, I think that probably had something to do with you know where that fell as well. But yeah, that the conference is what was the, the big factor and the and I really feel like the fact that it was played on Thanksgiving Day. Um, when it was in prime time, it was just, you know, that's what made, that's what helped it, and, you know, mm-hmm. promote this, the game of the century. It's Sports Illustrated. Look what Sports Illustrated put it on the cover.
3: Yeah. Um, well, and here and here's the play that, that at least goes down as the, the play that really signifies it, and here's Johnny Rogers. <laughs>
0: Wiley in the kick. Wiley stands at his own 24, waits for the snap. Rogers deep for Nebraska. Here's Wiley's kick, it's high, it holds up there, Rogers takes the ball at the 30, he's hit and got away, back up field the 35, to the 40, he's to the 45, he's to the 50, to the 45, to the 40, to the 35, to the 20, to the 10, he's all the way home! and child did that put him in the aisles johnny the jet rogers just tore him loose from their shoes
3: johnny the jet rogers just tore him loose yeah. from the shoes i mean that is lyle bremser at his absolute best that's a an iconic play and we talked about this before the the show mike um, it, what gets lost in this is that that people think you know i think sometimes people may think that was the game-winning play that that happened right away. <laughs> yeah, that
5: got Nebraska off to a good start anyway, yeah. certainly.
3: Yeah, um, and and Rodgers definitely played a big role in the game because, as you mentioned too, you know, his real big – his biggest contribution might have come, you know, on that final drive.
5: Yeah. Yeah, on the uh, uh, final drive, 12 plays, 74 yards, uh, five minutes plus, Um uh, Johnny, uh, they got uh, at the 46 yard line of Oklahoma. They've got third down and eight. And Johnny breaks his route and cuts across the middle because of the way the Sooner defense was set up. And Taggy throws a pass. It's low. Johnny goes down and gets it, picks up the first down for 11 yards and 35. And from there, Nebraska, I think Kenny carried for had 13 yard carry after that. Johnny carried once and then Kenny carried a couple, three times into the end zone for the play that we, you know, that we remember because that was the, the game winning touchdown. But it was that third down catch by Johnny, first of all, breaking his route and second of all, going down and getting that ball um, that really, uh, what, you know, I think that was the play of the game. Uh, um, Nebraska doesn't win the game if, if he doesn't make that play, I, I, I believe
3: yeah um, johnny said the same thing I've, I've seen him in interviews where he said that was the play
5: but yeah the but but the kickoff return you know got nebraska rolling and you think about that nebraska team so you got larry jacobson who won the outland trophy that year you've got rich glover who won the Allen trophy and the lombardi the next year you got johnny Rodgers who won the heisman trophy the next year the talent on that nebraska team Mm-hmm. Uh, was remarkable and uh, you know irresistible <laughs> Nebraska, <or> immovable Nebraska, <laughs> immovable, <laughs> immovable, yeah, Oklahoma, That a, Wishbone, yeah, know, right. that was a thing. Irresistible
3: if, Oklahoma meets immovable Nebraska. There.
5: Yeah, yeah, and and uh, you know the the best defense in the country, Nebraska. The best offense in the country, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And,
3: uh, yeah. And that's something, you know, Mike, I, obviously we're a Nebraska podcast, so we're going to obviously focus on the Nebraska side of this. But, you know, that Oklahoma team, to talk about some of their players too, I mean, it, obviously they had Pruitt in the backfield and Mildred. Haney is an all-American center. And for Glover to go out and have 20-some 20 tackles. 22 tackles, yeah. 22 tackles. And we are Columbus SCOTA's guys. And so both Boomer and I and, and SCOTA's – uh you know, Gil Blaha Gil and Gil Bill Cush. And these guys are getting moved around. Cush is the fast guy, so – but they moved him to play corner where, you know, Hey, we just need to throw a fast guy over there. Cause Blaha's going to play this monster back to defend this wishbone that that's the important thing. It's all about discipline and defending oh, yeah. the wishbone and, and Oklahoma Mildred with John Harrison, they end up really hitting us hard with the pass in that game.
5: Yeah. Well, that's how you, you know, that's the thing that you don't expect that from Oklahoma because of the way you run that wishbone, wishbone T they're still calling it, I guess at that point, but they're running that wishbone offense and uh you don't expect that kind of because there were games where oklahoma didn't throw the ball very much at all mm-hmm. um and and that's a way that's going to cross you up you know you prepare for it because it's something you really have to prepare for in order to mm-hmm. stop that and you have to be disciplined you have to you've mm-hmm. got your man and you got to stay with him and then they mix things up a little bit and,
3: There was a story of Willie Harper. I think I read it in, it might've been the Devaney book actually that you, that you helped co-write with uh, uh, Devaney and friends. It might've been in that book. Oh, and by the way, also this is Nebraska, the football vault by Mike Babcock. We're just throwing out all kinds of, you know, (laughs) everything there, but but,
4: find retailers near you. Yes.
3: By all means. Um, But anyways, there was one where Willie Harper, I think Devaney said he walked into the, it was the halftime of the game of the century. And one of the coaches had uh, Harper up against a a locker because one play he got so frustrated with, with um, Mildred cutting up and running and Mildred had a lot of carries, but they did not want him pitching the ball to Pruitt. And one time he just lays out uh, Mildred, but Mildred pitches it to Pruitt. And it's like Pruitt's one big carry of the first half. And that coach was going to make sure that Harper, to your point about having to be disciplined, he was going to make sure he knew not to do that again.
5: <laughs> yeah, but Willie Harper is another guy I should have mentioned. You know, there's a guy that, oh. and I think Bob Devaney said that, uh, you know, Harper was a was a an outland worthy guy if he hadn't <laughs> been playing with guys that had, that wanted. You know, that uh, certainly would have been would have been Willie that would have done it. So
3: all American and yeah, heck of a <laughs>
5: Adkins. They they just had uh, talent everywhere.
3: Well, the game is about to end and Nebraska is going to win it. Here we go.
4: So the game of century goes
3: to Nebraska, 35 to 31. Uh there's one more season and and just to give a little update here, hey Rob, if you would come on to the air, uh I've got this <laughs> laptop that is telling me it needs to reboot. <laughs> And it's counting down to three minutes. So what I'm going to do here, Rob, if you get onto the to the stream, I am going to um, uh, click update now, and I may or may not. We may or may not go off the screen, but if not, you guys stay on chat for a couple minutes, and hopefully, if this reboots, and we'll be back up. So that's
2: okay. We've got a few questions too. uh, Why don't you go through some questions?
3: I'm going to click update now, and we may be going bye bye.
2: Well, Mike, how are you tonight? Uh, I'm doing fine, thanks. Oh, good. It's good to see you again. The last time uh, that you did the interview with Honky, I was um, I listened, and that's pretty much all there was. I don't even think you knew I was there. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it was, I was busy making old fashions in the background. So um, let's just, you know, it may come up here, and I'm not sure where Honky wants me to go with this, but, you know, there are some stuff uh, with, like, modern era things. People are asking questions like, um, in the modern era, Colorado and Iowa seem to be like bigger rivalries. And what are your thoughts on that, like when you're covering the team for that?
5: Well, I think when the when the Big 12 was established, it it, it kind of became more Colorado just because um, Nebraska played Colorado every year, for one thing. And if you want to find an unfriendly atmosphere, go out to Boulder, Colorado and watch <laughs> Nebraska play sometime. I mean, that was – it's brutal out there. Um, I've been to a Nebraska-Colorado game where they had to take some of the student section and leave, make them leave the stadium because they were so abusive, throwing things and whatever. Um, so I think that's how the Colorado thing got started. And then when Nebraska gets into the Big Ten, you know, no more Colorado, you got to have a rival. And I think that there's there's dislike from Iowa, even – Going back to when Nebraska just played Iowa as a non-conference, not very often. Um, so I think that's you know that's it's by definition you know a rivalry initially, and then it, you know you start playing and Nebraska's not having a success against the Hawkeyes, and it's the last you know it's played the last conference game or whatever. Um, I think those things kind of go together to help make it the rivalry. It's The same way with Colorado in terms of being the last game. Uh, yeah. Of conference season.
2: I mean, I, 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 agree with you on that too. And I have a hard time even pointing out a true rival in the big 10 since we've joined them myself, mostly because um, you know, the lack of success we've had the last few years and it's really hard to just pinpoint anyone. Cause it feels like since Nebraska joined the big 10 and maybe you can emphasize this a little bit more for me, but it seems like since Nebraska's joined the big 10, everybody has it out for us everybody hates us everybody wants to beat us right so i mean they you know and and it was almost like it was almost like they were they call us their rival and we're still like trying to figure out our our identity in the conference which i i I joke about a lot but i truly do believe this year is going to be the year that they figured that out which also has another question involved with that but what are your feelings on on that whole thought of mine
5: well i hope that I hope that Nebraska does get some things figured out and has an opportunity to to beat the Hawkeyes in a situation where it means something at the end of the season. Um, but you know, my my sense is I've said this odd uh, nauseum, I guess, I guess you got to beat Northwestern in Dublin first, and then worry about what happens after that. You got to focus on that first game.
2: Um, you know, yeah. I sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. No, there. that's I, i agree agree with you a hundred percent i i put it out today too with this whole thing with the press right that they're putting out where the assistant co the assistants to the assistants aren't going to be able to talk to the assistants anymore or something like that and i put it out and said well this is kind of the first year we're going to see it where scott frost is the ceo per se of this team now and ceos don't let mid-level management talk to the masses right he only lets his his directors talk to them, right? Your OC, your mm-hmm. DC. And so I'm fine with that, that. And I know that, you know, it's like fans feel like they deserve more. Media feels like they're not gonna be able to write their articles if they don't hear more. But the but the sports media, and you know this for a fact, has been writing articles about sports regardless of who they talk to for a hundred years and they'll be doing it for a hundred years more. And the ones that are good at it will survive and the ones that were bad at it will end up on ESPN. So yeah. I mean <laughs> You know, it's uh, it's one of those things. And so I'm just kind of curious um, how you're feeling about that a little bit and maybe how you think Frost is going to embrace that, especially because with with the OU game lingering there, let's say they beat Northwestern, they they win the next two games, they play Oklahoma and they win that game. What kind of effect do you think that that's going to have on the overall program? Because there's a question about that here too from Kurt. And, and so I'm just asking it for Kurt in my own Rob way.
5: You know, if, if they do, I mean, it, if they if they go on a run and beat Northwestern and they beat North Dakota, is it North Dakota or North Dakota State? North Dakota. And not, Dakota the, not the good Dakota.
3: Not the good Dakota and then Georgia Southern. <laughs> uh,
5: and and uh, Georgia Southern or whatever. Uh, and then beat Oklahoma. Yeah, the expectations are going to skyrocket because then the next game is a home game against Indiana, I think. And then you gotta go to Rutgers for that Friday night thing that mm-hmm. you know, but you could win that. You know, if you've got some momentum, you could win that. And then it's at Purdue, you could win that. And then you got Illinois, Minnesota at home. I mean, it's the schedule sets up well if you can build some momentum. And I and I don't even yep. think you have to beat Oklahoma in order to to generate that momentum, but if you play well against Oklahoma and you win those other games, I think they're, you know, their expectations are going to jump.
3: You're, you're 100% yeah. right, Mike. I mean, that Northwestern game, you come back one and O you're not even leaving the state of Nebraska again until October. And, and everything that has plagued us with schedules in the past where last year you we know, were playing everybody, you know, Michigan, Michigan state, Ohio state, things yeah. have flipped this year. And so it really, that really does help. But good news. Um, we clicked the button. It didn't look like we 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 went into the abyss or anything. So I think we made it through. We made it through it. So um we just finished off with basically the the end of the Devaney era. So I think we're it's a good time now to to start up and, and get into the Osborne era here. So do,
2: do you want to kick me off again, honky? I I, I go for you know. it, Rob. Okay. Well I'm but gonna, gonna I'm gonna leave and to thank, you thank you so much for having me on tonight. And if for some reason you guys get kicked off, I'll be back. And yeah, thank you, Redcasters. Have a good night. Thanks, go Rob. Bay Red. <laughs>
3: All right. Let me find it. And so here we go. It's, Oh, nope. That's the Vanny. So here we go. It's the Osborne era, 1973 to 1997, uh, 25 seasons. And yet uh, Boomer, uh, correct me my, my math. there. 13 and 13 does not add up to 25. So no, it does not. Yeah. So something happened. Uh, I think that we'll get to that uh, would lead to that being <laughs> a, 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 an uneven number there. But, Uh, To go through what these years were, uh, again, it's all about streaks. It starts off here with uh, Barry Switzer and Oklahoma, which, by the way, Barry Switzer and Osborne took over the same season, 1973. Uh, uh, Switzer has early success. Then there's the little streak in the early 80s, back to some success of Oklahoma, and then Osborne finishes strong. So um, let's start with you, Mike, here. Kind of walk us in. It's 1973. Devaney has just left. They they did lose the last game of the Devaney era in '72. So now we're starting with Osborne, uh, and obviously Oklahoma is starting fresh with with Switzer too. What's what's kind of going on with the programs, and and how is the series? What's what's happening in 1973?
5: Well, um, 1973, I'm sure that there's optimism still because Nebraska, you know, two of the previous. Three years, they've got national championships and, and, and Tom is the handpicked successor and Bob's the athletic director. And, you know, things are looking good there from that standpoint, you know, Bob got what he wanted in in terms of who was going to follow him. Um, Barry Switzer comes in, Tom and Barry come in at the same time. And then five consecutive losses and frustration is to the point where Tom, you know, in 1978, Tom, uh, goes to Colorado, applies for the job at Colorado, gets to the point where he actually goes and talks to the – has a talk with the players uh, at Colorado and then decides that – he says, you know, I decided that I couldn't coach against players that I had had recruited at Nebraska and and whatever, Mm -hmm. Um, so he doesn't go. But, I mean, think about that. Every year, Tom's team's always won at least nine games and went to a bowl game. And people are frustrated because they can't beat Oklahoma. It's like it's a one game season.
3: Yeah. Well that was on that Oklahoma. That was on that audio of the opening clip of, of the show tonight was Osborne yeah. before the seventy-eight game saying that's the one game, you know, that people defined your season because to your point, we're winning. I think he said, you know, about a seventy-seven percent clip. You know, those first four, three, four, five oh, seasons. Yeah. And there was a, a point in a bowl game where we had beaten what Texas Tech, I think, in the blue bonnet bowl. And if, if we hadn't, uh, some uh yeah. region uh, came up to him and said he'd been fired. Or was there a reg- yeah, Oklahoma? Regent said it's a good thing you
5: won that game. Uh you know, it's like what? <laughs> um, you know he has a success, um, but he doesn't beat Oklahoma, and and it's like that's it. You know, you beat Oklahoma or mm-hmm. You know, we're not happy. We're upset about it. And and then he beats O you know, his seventy-eight team beats Oklahoma. And
3: then they gotta play him in a bowl game again and then yeah. they lose again. Well that, that that gets to be that that odd number. Well, well, as we're getting through those mid seventies here, uh here's a here's a graphic. Uh Sooner magic, nineteen seventy-six. What does Sooner Magic mean? Uh let's watch a clip here on Sooner Magic. real. we go.
0: Three and a half minutes to play, the Sooners took over on its own 16-yard line. Offensive coordinator Galen Hall up in the press box planned the final strategy with head coach Barry Switzer. With the time low left in the game, uh, we we thought we could move the ball that we had 85 yards to go, so we had to have a big play of some type. And the first play that came to mind was the halfback pass, which which we had had in all year, and so we put... Woody Shepard in the game because he throws it the best. He hit Steve Rhodes, and we got the big play we needed to get us out of the hole. At that time, we thought there's still enough time left in the clock that we could we could go on the ground. We pick up a first down. Time's running out. We get thrown for the two losses. And then on the uh, stop and lateral, Dean Blevins did a good job with it. Elvis, Elvis ran by, got the lateral from Steve Rhodes, and it was executed maybe better and better than we do in practice. Steve Rhodes, the freshman from Dallas, Texas, who made the big catch and lateral play work.
3: Mike.
5: (laughs) (laughs) That's not Oklahoma football. They were on the wishbone.
3: Well, that was 76, and from what my my research was, that was the birth of Sooner Magic, but it would continue on, and to a point, those first five years were rough for Osborne, not because he was losing a bunch of games. He wasn't. It was just that one game, and then it's 78. And let's start to talk about that 78 game here. Um, (laughs) Nebraska uh, loses uh, at the beginning of the season to Alabama. In fact, well, actually this is a, this is a a marquee year in Husker history because a certain sports writer for the Lincoln journal is is brought on board in 1978 as well. So this is your, (laughs) this is your first season covering the Huskers, right?
5: Yeah. Right.
3: And uh, uh,
5: you know, that Alabama game was just, it was Tom Surley wore a, uh, EJ Jr. like a like a shirt. I mean, Junior was there just all over the place. And um it, but Nebraska recovered, and that was the thing, you know, that uh, mm-hmm. they had the uh the great effort. Barry Switzer in his book Bootlegger's Boys, uh says that he thinks that the 70 first he thought the 74 team was the best team that he had coached. But as he thought back about it, he thinks may, he thought maybe the 78 team was the best team that he coached. Mm-hmm. Um and we saw that, excuse me. <clears throat> we saw that, I guess, when, when they beat Nebraska in the Orange Bowl when it turns around and they beat them there. Mm. But number one, Oklahoma loses to number four Nebraska. And uh uh that was the one deficiency of the wishbone was the potential to fumble. And that mm. day nine fumbles, six of which were lost. And I'll never forget that. I've got a picture up on my wall back. You can't see it. But of that, of the play where uh, uh, Jim Pillen recovers the fumble and it's forced by, uh, I think, Jeff Hansen and Andy Means. Um, three minutes and 27 seconds left. Billy Sims had a yep. 27-yard run or whatever. Great and run, he fumbles the ball. At the three and nebraska recovers yeah
3: switzer you know switzer said that in one of the videos where you know gosh we we fumbled nine times and everything and lost six well they should have lost one more including this one
0: they're gonna say that oklahoma's player hit the ground before he lost the ball apparently that's what they're saying and nebraska's recovery of the fumble back at the 10 is not going to stand the officials are saying they blew the ball dead and time Osborne is really hot on the far side he's coming out to talk to an official now they're sending him back this crowd is really
3: wild. i'll tell you that was an unbelievable thing. you know Bob that root and kelly phelps <laughs> and Osborne is really mad and you think about the pressure that's he's under right there you know this is he's lost five straight and and I mean, clear as day, that's a fumble, right? You know, yeah, and and, and what a what a terrible gaff of a call. And Osborne's upset. The fans, you heard the crowd there over the over the audio. They're they're frustrated. I mean, nobody wants to lose to Oklahoma for a six straight time. And um, and you know, to get that final play, that Jim Pillen lands on the on the fumble, they they get the victory. I want to play this audio for you, and this is a Jerry Moore post game and a little bit of Kemp Pavelka, but just the elation uh, that the the coach had for for Tom to get the win.
0: Well, it's, it's, everybody knows he's just super, and I just want to repeat what you guys have already said. We're happy for our players and all the coaches and the people of Nebraska, but for Tom, as much as anything, for Coach Osborne, this is it's a super super win for him yeah I guess so. 1714 Nebraska beats Oklahoma and I really am at a complete loss of what to what to ask for the first time in my life. what can you say about a the monumental uh, game that this was what this means what this win means to your
3: program? You know what, what this t- what this win means to the program and I completely understand what Pavelka's saying at that moment. I mean now, you're gonna turn around next week, you're gonna you're gonna beat that that Missouri team, you're gonna go on to bowl game, you know, the all what's this gonna to lead to? And um unfortunately, as you had said earlier, Mike, the, the frustration was is that it didn't lead to something the next week, uh, in one of the only three seasons where we aren't finishing the season with Oklahoma, we have Missouri come in, and for the third straight time in Lincoln, Missouri came out with a victory.
5: 35-31, right? Mm-hmm. Game of the century.
3: <laughs> game of the century. And, and you know, we talked about the motivation to play in a bowl game earlier, right? When you have the motivation, uh, you know, you can do great things. Well, it was a real kick in the gut for Osborne and, and our team to have to go and play Oklahoma again. But this is how Oklahoma took the reaction uh, from Switzer in the locker room.
0: All right, now what has happened is that uh, with Georgia getting beat, the tide is like getting beat. So that's what's Alabama. Penn State more than likely is going to go to the Sugar Bowl to play Alabama. Now, what it does to us, it does this. The Orange Bowl is meeting right now in an executive meeting. They're considering, I don't know, the possibility of taking us, or probably more likely, ask us to come play Nebraska again in Orange Bowl.
3: I think OU wanted to play Nebraska in the uh, in yeah. the Orange Bowl there. <laughs> yeah,
5: that wasn't that was not the right thing to do. Whatever, I didn't. You know, at that point, it may have happened before, but I'd never seen that before where he had a rematch in the in the, in a bowl game, Yeah, especially, especially in that era.
4: Yeah,
3: uh, just just garbage. But uh, a a shared colleague of ours, um, Carl Vogel. But uh, I work with him yeah. now. But you used to work with Carl. He went to the '78 uh, Orange Bowl, so he. Uh, and he has fond memories of walking around the neighborhood right around the Orange Bowl Stadium. I guess that was <laughs> – uh, I guess it was a little sketchy at times back then. But um, anyways, that that led to a lot of the frustration you're talking about after that offseason, Coach Osborne for the only time really that publicly at least entertained leaving Nebraska. And it was just, is, am I ever going to be able to do enough? And, you know, the things that were starting to beat Nebraska or the things that were beating Nebraska against Oklahoma, the mobile quarterback, the Thomas Lots, the J.C. Watts – Nebraska was, you know, playing a, a passing attack, the Ferragamos, Hums, that mm-hmm. style. And Osborne started to look at interest, you know, spectively at, at himself as at program and says, you know, we need to have quarterbacks that can do things with their legs the way that Oklahoma quarterbacks can. And Osborne would go head to head against Switzer down in Fort Worth for the services of Turner Gill. And we start to see the change that the switch in the offense. We go into the, the, the triple option. We get to it's that those early 80s where we start to have our own little winning streak, 81, 82, 83. Let's start to focus on that that era, the early 80s.
5: Yeah, well, you know, that was one of the things that, that Tom Tom was not inflexible. He made changes when they needed to ma- be made. And that was one of the things that he looked at and said, We need to, we need to have a quarterback that can run. If you're gonna be successful. In oversimplified terms, if you're going to be successful in the Big Eight, you've got to play the way Oklahoma plays because Oklahoma is the one that dominates the conference. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the first quarterback that Tom recruited, I think, that fit that sort of fit that mold was Jeff Quinn out of Ord, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And then he got Nate Mason from Greenville, Texas. Nate Mason and Ricky Simmons came up here. Um, and then he got Turner Gill, and there was a big competition with Oklahoma, although Turner, I think, sensed that Oklahoma wanted him as a defensive back, not as quarterback. But, you know, that was – that's how it evolved. You know, mm-hmm. the, Turner Hill could run. He could have been a pro passer if, if that's what you wanted him to do. He was just a really talented guy. Well, and it, you, add, you add to it great offensive lines, you know, mm-hmm. Dave Remington – uh, anchor on the line, and you had Dean Steincooler on the line, and you had uh, Trank just, Woods. Yeah, yeah, did, um, and you know, of course, Mike Rozier and Roger Craig and and uh, Irving Fryer. Yep, I got that poster still. Um, the scoring explosion they were.
3: That you know that eighty two season. My first memories from start to finish of a season is nineteen eighty three. I mean, I remember the the, the kickoff classic. 44 to 6 against Penn State, and I've, I haven't forgot a game since. But um, I didn't recognize, you know, I was just too young. I was five in 82, so I didn't quite catch on to uh, what that season was about. But the, uh, the offensive talent on that 82 team, because you have the scoring explosion, but you still have Remington, you still mm-hmm. have Roger Craig, you also have Jamie Williams, you mm-hmm. know, a tight end. I mean, that is an amazing. Uh, you know, a uh, group of, of talent there. And of course, these are the, you know, sp- keeping it with the Oklahoma talk. These are years that we're, we're beating Oklahoma. Now was Oklahoma down at this time, you know, during the, the early eighties or was Nebraska just that good? I know they had Marcus Dupree and, you
5: know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. It wasn't like – well, the 81 game, you know, Turner couldn't play because he he'd got the uh, leg injury in the Iowa State game, the freeze game, and so Mark Maurer, Maurer stepped in, and Nebraska won that game 37-14 to 14 down in, in Norman. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it was a great Oklahoma team, but um, it was a scrap in 82 and it was a scrap in 83 uh, with Oklahoma. And I don't remember if the Sooners were ranked um, – during that time, there was a little bit of a little bit of a downswing there. Um, then they came back up and then there was a, there was a, a really a slide for Oklahoma.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: Um, when, when Switzer left and then they started changing coaches and, and, uh, you know, so that affected them there. But, uh, yeah, it was, you know, the, the frustration of having to play them again in that bowl game, mm-hmm. uh, you know, didn't impact the recruiting, obviously, because Nebraska recruited really well and was aggressive from that standpoint. Um, Again, even though the coach had, you know, considered going to Colorado had um, and, and, you know, like Devaney before him, Bob uh, Tom had kind of surveyed his staff and said, Hey, do you, should we look into this? And they all said, yeah, and let's give it a, let's give it Mm -hmm. a shot. So, I mean, he was, loyal to the people that were loyal to him but um recruiting was really you know frank did a good job in new jersey they got rosier he spent one year in community college uh, right. community college came up to nebraska then you got uh in 82 like you said you've got roger craig and mike rosier and you've got a roger craig who says i'll try fullback Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, if that can get us both on the field, and then he kind of got banged up and moved back to, to back. But, um, yeah, tremendous talent there, that scoring explosion. It, those three guys are recognized at it, but, again, that offensive line was really uh, an important part of it, and you had the fullback that uh, was an important part of it. And and uh, um, Nebraska had a really a, an outstanding team. 81, 82 83 through
3: that and, stretch. and really starting up running that triple option something that that started with Osborne I think trying to bring more of a, an Oklahoma style of offense getting this yes, exactly the
5: exactly that was the you know you had you had uh, uh, Turner Gill and then you had Steve Taylor and and mm-hmm. you know you got those quarterbacks that could do both that could run and could pass and uh, that was important to the to the where that where that program was going to go and win those national mm-hmm. championships.
3: Now, Mike, uh, we're, we're getting out of the 81 to 83 era. Now we're going to move into the 84. But And I hate to jump around here, but I forgot one video. And I, I, I have to show you the video. This is 1980. And um, if you could give us a little bit of context after this, uh, Switzer shows up on the, uh, the Bob Devaney show on a Friday night. Probably. Surprises, Dick Janda. I want to show yeah. this to, to, for the Redcasters, but if you can give a little context after this. Here if, we uh, go.
0: And I would go over and talk to Dick Janna, who does the show. Uh, I've known for years that does Tom Osborne's show and Bob's show uh, out of Lincoln. And I said, Dick, let me do this. Let me hide behind the stage. And Bob comes on. I want to walk up and give him a sack of tacos. We hope to give it to Barry Switzer. In case Barry didn't get to go to the Orange Bowl, he could eat the pineapple instead of the tamales that they served down there in El Paso. Well, Ray, really, that was the thing. Thanks very much for being here. I guess we have pulled out all. Of, whoa! Wait a minute here. I hey guess he's Bob. in person here. Hey, wait, hey, hey, oh, god, Jerry! Hey, I appreciate hey, the hey, pineapple, hey, but hey, I've got a couple for, of tacos for you, Bob. Oh, I, yeah. well, hey, hey! <laughs> one of the greatest coaches in the country, and, and it's great to be here with us, oh. here, Bob. Thank you. We'll tell you and something. I'm telling you, Wherever we go, we're well fed.
5: I mean, the question we had earlier, that shows a little bit about the relationship between Oklahoma and Nebraska that Mm -hmm. do that. And that Bob would take it in, you know, that Bob would do what he did and then they would both take it in the, in the way that they did. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, Nebraska ended up going to the Sun Bowl.
3: (laughs) And um, Bob and Barry are more alike than Bob and Tom were. (laughs) Oh yeah. No
5: question about that. (laughs) Um, yeah, very much so. And, uh, yeah, that was part of it. Yeah, well, it, was a, it was a good. To, it was a good relationship that they
3: had. Well, my first year, like I said, I, I remember '83. We we beat Oklahoma, but then what I remember is that the next four years really were tough. Those were those were formative years for me, and it was losing Oklahoma at the end of each of those seasons. Some of the Sooner magic being involved. Um, but I want to show something first, and Boomer, I think you can talk a little bit about this. This is it. Doesn't have anything to do with Nebraska in oklahoma but it has to do with the college football landscape today there was a a lawsuit that oklahoma had against the ncaa in 1984 had to deal some with television correct boomer and and started to lead to maybe some of the stuff that we're starting to see now with usc and ucla and conference expansion can you
4: talk a little there yeah basically the way college football was kind of broadcast back then is the ncaa basically controlled the rights of who could be seen and when and they would limit school's appearances. I think they were limited to uh, like six appearances on TV a year any particular school and only four of those could be national broadcasts and uh, and they had to you know, the broadcast stations had to put like eighty-two or eighty-four different schools on during the year at some point. So you were really limited to where it was. And I think uh I think Barry Switzer got really annoyed. I think it was eighty one. They were playing USC. It was a I would think a one versus two matchup. And there were several stations that carried the Citadel versus Appalachian State rather than, you know, playing Oklahoma USC. And that kind of you know teased everybody you know with what they had and you know one thing led to another and it kept going through lawsuits and eventually it went to the supreme court and i think it was a 7-2 decision where they, the supreme court basically kind of blew up that old model of how you know of who controlled television rights for football and this kind of opened the the floodgates to schools controlling media rights conferences taking mm-hmm. over and it really kind of led to what we see today with, you know, that led to the death of a lot of the independent schools, you, you know, your Penn States and Miami's and Florida States felt the pressure to join conferences and, and then conferences you know, like the Southwest, yeah, and, the Southwest and the big eight, which really could this is where Notre Dame was able to start getting their own big deal, which kind of, you know, set the stage for all of this. And really, if you want to go back to what changed football, it took a while to kind of, you know, percolate through, you know, you had to get cable up and running and now streaming and, the huge media rights deals, but that's kind of where it all begins with Oklahoma in 84. So with that, with that court decision. Yeah. TV exposure was really important.
5: I mean, it, it helped Nebraska, you know, mm-hmm. sure. like yeah. walked on here from Chapin, South Carolina said he had watched Nebraska on TV. That's where he got, you know, that's a long way to come, but they had that kind of exposure. And that was before this. And then this just opened it up.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, Mike, 84 to 86, when you see this guy's face, I mean, yeah. what does what does this make you think? <laughs> the
5: boss. The boss. You know, it, it it makes me think of uh, they, we used to have uh, uh, the Big Eight Skyriders tour, mm-hmm. and you would uh, you would take a bus to places like Kansas and Kansas State or whatever, but it would all start in Kansas City and it would finish in Oklahoma, I think, and you'd take a flights to various places and. And uh, I remember the uh, Skywriter stop in Norman, Oklahoma. When I think he was a sophomore, maybe he was a junior. Anyway, uh, Brian Bosworth was one of the players that we had available to us, and he came out. He had a button-down collar shirt. I mean, he just looked—he looked like a a preppy, you know, like so preppy. But he started talking, and he's, and and what I, the one thing I remember him saying was he hated orange and he hated Texas, and he was from Texas, but he was at Oklahoma. So that kind of oh, tells true. you where that Texas-Oklahoma thing was. But, uh, yeah, the boss, that, that's that's how I first remember him with his button-down collar shirt. He didn't look anything like that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, we, we lose and we lose all three of those games, 84, 85, yep. 86, and 87. Oh, 87. Yeah. 87. We talked about the game of the century. One, 1971. Well, I, I remember this. I remember my, my mom, I think she must've got that hinky dinky in Columbus, but uh, <laughs> the, the, the Husker hanky and I had that hanging in my room and it was a uh, Nebraska, Oklahoma, November 21st, 1987. And that was a big game. Number one versus number two, again, Nebraska at home. And and this is the year, Mike, we're going to beat these guys. And that, that streak. Mm-hmm. that's going to be the, you know, I was going to be a very happy kid and uh, it didn't happen again. <laughs>
5: Yeah, and the curious thing was that the week before Oklahoma was one and Nebraska was two and they flip flopped before the game. And you know, the week before the game they flip flopped in the rankings. So that Nebraska was number one and Oklahoma was number two. And I don't know whether the whether the people that voted just said, Hey, we're gonna have a game of century two, it's gotta be um, Nebraska's gotta be number one because it's in Lincoln or whatever, or you know, what however they wanna however you wanna put it together. Um It just seemed, it seemed strange that they would do it that way. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, and, and the, you know, the final score, it, it wasn't that close. I mean, it was, it was pretty one-sided Oklahoma dominated that game.
3: Mm -hmm. Well, and that takes us to 1988 and it's a significant game because Osborne we win and it was a ice bowl down in, in Norman, Uh, Nebraska wins seven to three, I believe, um, Mm -hmm. And but it's the last game, the final game of the Switzer era, and as you mentioned earlier, uh, Switzer ends his career against Nebraska five and twelve. Uh, so Osborne, to, to think about, you know, what's going to happen here for him to finish his career against Oklahoma thirteen and thirteen. You know, at the end of nineteen eighty eight, Osborne's sitting at five and twelve. He has a lot of mm-hmm. ground to make up. But but they win that final game, and now Oklahoma there you know well uh switzer didn't just leave on his own there was there was no. some help pushing him out and and you start to get in some probations in oklahoma now starts to feel the the hurt from that getting into the gary gibbs era and all that and and osborne obviously we know what nebraska did in the 90s but that was really an end of end of an era 1988 switzer's
2: done
5: yeah yeah that uh Things went uh, downhill essentially for Oklahoma after that. The only win that Oklahoma had against Nebraska the rest of Tom's tenure was the one where they ran Mickey Joseph into that bench, oh. got the laceration of his leg, and that was not exactly a cordial situation. No,
3: you know. they, they, I mean, you know, that stadium down there in, in Norman, you are right on the field. I mean, the, yeah. the, there's no – sideline space or anything i can remember that push and it was just like oh no and that was a that was a a rough end of that year but uh we get into the 90s i mean now this is just fun talk for i I didn't even have any graphics or videos of this this is just fun chat now it's 90s and it's just gonna be win after win after win boomer 91 you mentioned that the we win that go the orange bowl there Uh, johnny mitchell has a I remember him having, you know, some catches in there and it was just Calvin a big,
4: Jones had a big touchdown Cal- at the end of when it which he
3: technically dropped before he got well, into the end zone, but we're oh, not we, gonna even we're gonna we're gonna No enough. replay. No replay. No replay. No replay. In fact, forget yep. strike that Redcasters yep. didn't even say that. Yep. Yep. Um yep. You know, Mike well, we will take
5: replay of Penn State in 82.
3: Absolutely. We absolutely will. Well, Mike, tell me tell us what what was it like to be covering the Huskers there in the in the early 90s? What's it like when we start to transition? We had Damon Benning on back in April, and I asked him about you know, he got there in 92, and then his last game was in 96. So he got to be there as part of the transition where you know we were doing again, kind of like kind of like you know, uh the Devaney era where you know we're still going six and four. We weren't terrible in 89 90 91 we are winning nine games or whatever mm-hmm. but we're just oh, but, yeah, but there was a win. shift something happened around that the, the early 90s what was it like to be covering that to see that shift and what was going on that you saw where Nebraska went from being a good 9 10 win team to all of a sudden boom what we saw
5: well i think it had to do with recruiting and here's another thing that it, that really made an uh, an impact was you know i i said tom wasn't set in his ways. You know, he was willing mm-hmm. to make changes as he did with the offense and how, you know, had, to, and he, they went from a 50 front to a four, three defense because he needed, he thought they needed to get more speed in the defense and they needed to be more aggressive on defense because they were having problems with playing in these bowl games against teams, yep. that through the ball. Um, and so he adjusted, you know, you, you, uh, you brought uh, Ed Stewart in. He was a safety and they made him a linebacker and he becomes an All American linebacker. They made those adjustments. It was Tom's ability to adjust that enabled the Huskers to win three national championships in his final four seasons. And really, you know, as you look back through Tom's time, uh, there weren't too many seasons where, at some point during that season, Nebraska w- was in a wasn't in a position to win the national championship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Clemson Bowl game after the uh, uh, 81 season or whatever, Nebraska could have been national champs that year. Just almost every year Nebraska had an opportunity at mm-hmm. some point. Um, the Penn State thing, if it hadn't, if Penn State, if that play hadn't gone the way it did, Nebraska won that game, probably would have played for a national championship, could have won a national championship that year. And it finally started to fall into place in the in the in the 90s. And, uh, you know, I, I think I remember the uh, 94 Orange Bowl um, standing outside the stadium waiting for the shuttle to take the media back to the hotel. It was probably two o'clock in the morning or whatever we'd written the stories or whatever. And I, you know, I thought, you know, I, I've got to I've got to approach this job As if every game will be my last. I've got to appreciate every game. Um, Maybe something that that I'd kind of done. I think Um, because when I first started covering the games, it's like wow, you know, I'm sitting on the fifty yard line in the press box. You know, I'm going to all the games. This is great. But it quickly became the people that I was dealing with: the coaches, the players, the administrators, the fans. That's what kept me going. And, and that's why I've done what I've done for as long as I've done it. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's the people. It's, it's not the games are kind of secondary to me. But it was that night I thought, you know, treat every game as if it's going to be your last um, because you never know when you're going to quit doing this or when you're not going to be able to do it and appreciate it for that. And I think I did that. But, you know, it, it just came into focus for me that, at that point.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, things just came together for, for the program in those 90s and 60 and three over the last five years, four undefeated regular seasons, three undefeated seasons, four national championship games, three of them won. Uh, but, you know, it, it's this 25 years of Osborne. And I think some people think it's this straight trajectory all the way up, you know, from the start to the end. And it is it's this constant up and down. It's the it's the Oklahoma they're they're running it on us and now we need to switch it up, you know, get Turner Gill to match with what they're doing. As you mentioned, 10 years later, when people are saying we need to throw the ball like Florida State and Miami, Osborne's saying we need to play defense like Florida State and Miami. And again, mm-hmm. he's adjusting and and the pinnacle of those last five years, and we were good throughout, but it wasn't just this straight trajectory. There was all for the young Redcasters that if, if you look romantically on it, like it was just 25 glorious years, and you know, we were happy dory all the time. No, we weren't. It was, you know, Osborne was constantly under pressure. You know, you lose the Oklahoma oh. early, you can't win the big game, you lose seven straight bowl games, you run the ball too much. How about that for run the damn ball guy? We ran the ball too much back then. Yeah, you know? <laughs> we'd love to have that back again.
5: You know, 255 49 and three, and you look at it and say, well, yeah, it was just a right up the. Right up the line for to those national championships, no, it wasn't. You're exactly right. It was a roller coaster ride for Tom, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it, you look at it. The evidence wouldn't support that. Every season, at least nine wins and a bowl game. Every season, and like I said, the majority of those seasons, you could look at some point in the season and say Nebraska could be in contention for national title, um, because that's how good Tom's teams work.
3: Every year, every year, the eighties, the we were the team of the eighties, I think in a number, never won a national title in the eighties, but had yeah. won the most games in, in the team of the eighties there. You know, we're not talking as much about Oklahoma right now in the nineties because the Oklahoma was going through a down period yeah. and Nebraska, you know, so we beat them. Now, some of them were still close games, 83 or 93 and 94. There were close games by 95, the last game of the big eight, mm-hmm. Nebraska is at 37 to nothing, uh, you know, shut out. That's what ends the Big 8 Conference, the last game of of that conference. And um, although we would go on to play them the next two years, 96 and 97, uh, we're now entering into the Big 12 era. Oklahoma, in some ways, I don't blame them here. They had an opportunity, I'm sure, in the South Division. They could have had a crossover game and played us every year. I'm sure if they wanted to agree to it, why would you agree to that if you're Oklahoma? Why would you be the only team in the South to play, at that time, this team that's a juggernaut? Mm -hmm. We'll play them every year. Oh, and we'll play AM and in Texas and Oklahoma State. And those teams won't have to play Nebraska every year. I get it. But it ended, essentially, it was going to end the, the the ongoing rivalry. We play them two more times. I was at that game in 96 in Norman. So uh, up until last year, because I, I went to the game last year in Norman, but i have been to, to two games in Norman. I saw us blow them out in 96, and I saw us down 35-0 at the end of the first quarter in 2008. Um, love that stadium. I absolutely love Norman. It's a great place to, to go and watch a game, but I watched two blowouts until last season was a, was a good game, but, uh, we blow them out in 96 and, and, and Osborne in 97 gets his 250th victory on a 69 seven. I mean, it was just for Oklahoma, it was kind of a sad way to see that, that part of the era, you know, end because they just, they were not good there in the mid nineties.
5: Yeah. And, and Tom made some comments about that, you know, that he, that he felt badly that, you know the game's kind of out of hand, and Oklahoma had sort of dropped it where it did. You know, mm-hmm. I think, that, I, I think he was sincere in that.
3: Well, I just um, want to ask. Maybe we can have a little discussion here. Here's the 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 uh, Sports Illustrated yeah. there, and the, it's kind of the end of the era. I mean, I guess I want to get both your thoughts. I'll start with you, Boomer. You're from Texas, but you guys have both mentioned this m- m- uh, multiple times here. Oklahoma and Texas have a rivalry with each other, a hatred of border war. Oklahoma, for what it's worth, also has their in-state one with Oklahoma State with Bedlam. But um, when it came down to, you know, picking your rival or whatever, it's pretty clear in the 90s, you know, Oklahoma made that decision, right, Boomer?
4: Yeah, and it's for all the reasons, you know, you both mentioned, you know, like Mike said, it's the hatred is there and that's, you know, part of what makes a fun rivalry to a a large degree is hatred. I mean, you know, we had a a different scenario with Oklahoma. And then just when it comes down to, like you would said, who are you going to play every season? Um, Oklahoma wants that connection with Texas on a regular basis just for recruiting and everything else their plan is. And the way the Big 12 was being set up, you know, maybe in retrospect, they could have done something different. Yeah, East, West or something but- sort of thing. So it's not so much the old Southwest versus the old Big 8. They could have divided it up something different. But... I can't blame Oklahoma for doing what they did. It made the most sense at the time and with the structure of the conference and the way it was going to be, and it actually kind of did work out for them the way it looks. Yeah, they, they may made, made the right decision. Well,
3: if you yeah. think about 1995, the last year of the Big 8, we had four teams in the top 10, and all four of them were from what was going to be the Big 12 North. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kansas, K-State, and Colorado and Nebraska all finished in the top 10. I mean, that was the dominating oh, yeah. side at that at that, that free frame picture in time. Uh, Mike, what are your thoughts in 95 and 96, the Big 12 starting to, to come into existence? Uh, what are your thoughts as this uh, rivalry was going to, it didn't end, but it was going to end on an annual basis after the 97 season?
5: Yeah, well, well for me personally, it was a disappointment because, you know, again, my favorite game that I've ever been at was the 78 Oklahoma-Nebraska game and not counting bowl games, the my favorite place to visit for road games, it was always Norman, Oklahoma, um, because of that connection that I had with, um, you know, growing up with Nebraska, Oklahoma, um, kind of a thing. So I was disappointed from that standpoint, but as as Boomer said, it, it made sense. I mean, there wasn't any there wasn't any way you were going to define it any. You, you weren't going to put those teams in the same division. It wasn't going to work. There wasn't any way you could break things down so that it, would, that it would work, that it would make any kind of sense. Nowadays, you could have done it because nothing makes any sense. At
3: one point, the Big 12 had 10 teams and the Big 10 yeah. had 12. Yeah. Who cares? You know?
5: <laughs> but, you know, in, in that situation, the way it was then, the way times were, it just made sense that that had to be. My first thought was I don't think Nebraska even needs to go to the Big 12, you know, it, or it needs to stay the big eight. That is always my, uh, feeling. And, and, but realistically that was not a good idea, mm-hmm. um, because you have, uh, you have all of a sudden, uh, w- when Nebraska left the big 12, I thought shouldn't have done that either. And then, but you look at it, it's like, well, Missouri would have taken that place if Nebraska hadn't gone to the big mm-hmm. 10. Missouri leaves, Colorado leaves. The, the old Big 8 is all fractured, so it fell apart anyway.
3: Well, you know, um, I think those, those Husker fans that were frustrated two years ago in COVID and saying we should go back to the Big 12, I'm yeah. glad those people didn't get their way. Mm-hmm. Right.
5: The, the one thing that, that frustrated me more than anything was that I remember uh, someone saying um, it's just the addition of these four teams from Texas. So that's It's not going to change. They're just joining – the big eight. <laughs> and immediately the conference headquarters goes from Kansas city to down to Texas. And it, you know, it's obvious that Texas comes in and starts running the conference.
3: Yep. A bunch of one, of one to 11 votes. Like yep. A bunch of one to 11 votes. And we, were on, the, that. Yeah. Nebraska, we were on the, yeah. Nebraska, even one. the old, uh,
5: the big eight schools never sided with Nebraska.
3: Yeah. Prop 48 went away and Nebraska was the, the one of right. that, you know, I mean, it was just, um, and yeah, why it was, was that?
5: It was because Nebraska had dominated. That's why.
4: Mm-hmm, absolutely. We're get even with them now, we're going <laughs> to
5: vote against that. I mean, there was an element of that. We're going to vote against them, whatever they want.
3: We're against it. Well, I think I think we've covered that the the Osborne era really well. There, I, I like mm-hmm. that. Let's move on, and this takes us into the modern era, 1998 to now. Uh, 1998, obviously that's the first year of Frank Solich taking over. It's also the first time you're going to start to see gaps here where we aren't playing games. And so we don't play in 98 or 99. Then we go back and forth, uh, 2000, 2001, another gap. And then there's some games in here, but, and then the long gap here until last season where we aren't in the same conference anymore. So truly the modern era is the, is a new era with Oklahoma. Um, mm-hmm you know mike let's let's start to, to talk about that we oklahoma hires bob stoops in 1999 and as we mentioned earlier i mean it was a bad decade for them from you know basically you know switzer leaves in 88 up until 99 that was a rough stretch for oklahoma and stoops comes in and pretty much i mean first year uh you know i think went like 7 and 5 or something like that yeah, but by so the yeah, second yeah. by the second year they're winning the national title which is just insane. Uh, some good talent, uh, obviously, that John Blake left him, but also they went out into the transfer or into the, you know, JUCOs and brought in oh uh, Marshall and I think hypo they came in there. So they brought in some of the guys, too, to, to make that 2000 team work. But uh, um, what are your memories there? Let's let's focus on the 2000 and 2001 era of, of this series.
5: OK, because I was going to say there are two things in the, in the era that we're talking about, two things that come to mind for me. One is the 2001 game. Um, which which I consider kind of the beginning of the end for Nebraska, of consistently being in the national conversation. You know, Nebraska uh, uh, black 41 flash reverse pass.
3: Here, I'm going to play it.
0: So now here are the Huskers at the 36-yard line. First down and 10 to go. Here's a handoff to Thunder who gives it back to Mike Stunts. He's going to throw it. He's got a man.
3: You know it's good when you can't even hear what the announcers are saying yeah. anymore because they're just yeah. screaming. Yeah, and then
5: Oklahoma had run that play earlier in the game. Yeah, they didn't did. Work yeah.
3: And we're, um, were you in the press box at that during that play then? Yeah. So, well, yeah. I mean, I know there's decorum and you're not supposed – you know, there's no – I mean, do you – are I've, people I don't, making noise?
5: I don't – know. I don't. I mean, I, I've really um, – I i don't wear red very much, and mm-hmm. I don't um, – I like I said, it's to some degree, it's the games are, you know, sort of dressing. It, it's the people that, that have kept me involved in this stuff. That's what I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you're more but, disciplined uh, than I you know, am. That was quite idea. the play, you know, which made sense. Stunts was a quarterback. He was recruited as a quarterback and he was playing split end. He could do that. And, and uh, um, you know, it, we didn't even talk about in 79 when Nebraska first ran the, the fumble rooski ran it twice. and Randy Schleusner scored a touchdown and John Havocos uh, picked up first down, I think on that, um, uh, running the uh, bum rooski against Oklahoma in the Oklahoma game. They lost that game. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah, but that black 41 flash reverse pass, uh, <laughs> was what I remember about this era. Uh, mm-hmm. and probably, uh, and then the uh, 2004 game, which whenever you want to talk about that, that's the yeah. other one I remember.
3: Yeah. Well, I what one thing about the 2000 game because that was a big win for Oklahoma to get yes. against us. That that really gave them the momentum. Uh, that oh, I was gonna, at
4: that game?
3: A, oh, you were. Oh yeah,
4: yeah. Started well, that so was well. Number oh, one, yeah. right? We, one yeah. versus three. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and Nebraska, we started off fourteen to nothing, and everything was going great. And then, Nebraska yeah.
3: couldn't do anything nope. wrong going up to fourteen nothing. I remember Davison had a long catch, and then they, I think they kicked us down to our end zone. And we did like a fullback dive to Willie Miller and he went for like 60 yards. It was just like, everything was working. And then just on a, just just a flip of a switch. Yeah. I don't know what happened. Oklahoma yeah. just went, went, yeah, we went 31 to 14. Was it? Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, they, yeah. We didn't score again, nope. Nope. but, but so yeah, you're, you're right. We split those two games. Then we then we're off for two seasons. And then it's 2004 and now a lot has changed in Lincoln. Frank Solich is no longer our coach. Steve Pearson made the decision to, go with Callahan and, and we go down to, to Norman. And uh, we had Glenn Snodgrass, the head football coach at York on a couple weeks ago. Oh and, yeah. Uh, I and that. I, and he's from, uh, he's from Scotia originally. And so I was just talking to him about Scotia and the, the player I remember there is Steve Krewald, the fullback and Krewald, you know, in, in 2004, um, we pretty much aren't using the fullback anymore. Like we would have been in, in the olden days. And this was the, this was the, the year where Steve is really going to, you know, have his season and he just doesn't get it because the the, the scheme isn't for him. But at the end of that game, we were down thirty one or thirty to nothing, I think. Had done nothing. To nothing. Yeah, had done nothing the whole game. And so mm-hmm. they just basically hand a fullback dive off just to try to run the clock out. And of course he goes for like 60 yards and gets us into a you know field goal position. But but heaven forbid we run the damn fullback again. We can't do that. You
5: know Corey Ross carried like 30 times. They I think that Bill was trying to incapacitate Corey Ross. He carried 30 <laughs> times for 130 yards. They just pounded this guy, you know, and they're getting beat 30 to nothing. And they get on this last drive and Crewald carries twice on the drive. Hmm. And the last play of the game, David Dykes kicks a field goal to make it 30 to three. And you know, Oklahoma fans are throwing oranges on the field. <laughs> um, and before the game happened was when Darren Delone ran into one of the roughnecks and knocked some teeth out. Oh, geez. Oh, um, yep. yep. And, uh, after the game, you know, we're doing the post game interview and Bill Callahan, you know, somebody said, what was the game plan? And I was like, to win, you bet. You know, it's like, that was, <laughs> that was their game plan to win. You bet. And, uh, and then he said something about, then they were throwing fruit on the field and <laughs> whatever. It was just a disaster. But, yeah, Krewal <laughs> carries twice on this last drive <laughs> so they can set up to kick a field goal.
3: So they can kick a field goal. So they can go get shut out. I know, yeah. 2005, way. we lose to them. Oh. 2006, we play them for a third straight year, but that's because mm-hmm. we, we got them in the uh, – the coldest game. Oh god. <laughs>
4: Arrow, you were at that I was Arrowhead at that too, yeah. Arrowhead that, Stadium. That was the other coldest yeah. game I've ever been to in my life. The, the plus side that was, was I could have some slightly different beverages than I could in 91. <laughs> so I didn't feel it quite as much by game time. So I and, thought our car was going to freeze up driving down there. <laughs>
3: oh god. And and Nebraska did their best okay. to um, you know, take us out of the game immediately. Oh, if yes, I remember sure. right, it was a like a backwards pass or something to purify and he dropped it. And I think we,
4: which is sensible in that kind of way. I think we yeah. gave, yeah,
3: I think we gave him like the points right away off of that. If I, if I recall, right. And um, you know, that was, that was just, that was a rough error there, but we get through the Callahan era. He gets fired after uh, 2007 and in 2008, nine, we're going to play him again. And now it's with Bo. And uh that's, I went down there. Well, we all went down there. We took the RV trip. It was about, uh, and uh, Mac was on it with us. And, and uh, we, we go down there and um, didn't think we were going to win it by any means, but holy smokes. I mean, we had barely sat down. Your brother, in fact, didn't even have a, he went to the um, concession stand before the kickoff and he, and he got to his seats with about nine minutes left and we were down 21, nothing already. And he's like, what in the world happened? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's that bad. And eventually got down 35, nothing. And then, you know, <laughs> made the score somewhat respectable by the end. It was like 62 to 30 or something like that. But what I'll remember is Husker fans, we were five and four at that point. And Husker fans, us included, we go down to the southwest corner of the stadium and we clap as the team goes into the uh, to the locker room, right? We, we clap there. And I kind of walked around and I looked down the hallway, the long hallway there, um, and I see Barney Cotton from the side. And, you know, here's a former Husker player and everything. And he's got his, his head up against his arm, up against the wall. And he's just kind of, he's having a quiet moment you know, in this concourse and, and I'm just thinking that's, you know, that's, that's, this meant a lot to him, you know, and I mean, it hurts and everything and it's Oklahoma, but it means a lot to the guy. And I was really proud how that team turned around and came back and won four straight games to go nine and four. And, and, you know, no one wants to give Bo the credit for winning nine and 10 games a season. And Bo had his demons and bad things, but, but there were good things too. And and how they came back from that, uh, you know, I thought led a lot. And then, and then after that game, in fact, what, what happens when what people forget about that game, it was so strange to be there because we were not the, the main game of the night. What was happening in, in Lubbock with Texas Tech and Texas mm-hmm. was the bigger deal. Uh, that's the, the Michael Crabtree night catching it, you know, in Texas. Oklahoma needed Texas to lose the Texas Tech. And so we were this afterthought because we're getting blown out. It was so strange. But we talked with these really cool Oklahoma fans, great fans. We talked with them after the game. And they were like consoling us and saying, Hey, we were there in the nineties. We understand you You guys will get it back. And Mac and I were like, hell yeah, we'll get it back. I mean, we could beat you guys next year. And they were like, "Ah, oh, you know, you're crazy. Well, next season, 2009, first time in the Stoops era, they didn't score a touchdown. And, uh, Nebraska did, uh, did get their, their, uh, revenge, I guess that that next season, but that's the last one that we've had against them. We would play them in the final game of, uh, the Big uh, 12, for us at least, the 2010 game. Here, I'm going to show this clip here.
1: And so fitting that the final championship game features two rivals connected across time. He's all
0: the way home!
1: Across borders, before the Republic was even formed. But territory is still turf, home soil, and the schools that stand on it are symbols of the proud states they serve. So when these teams meet, there's more than a game on the line, even when the Big 12 title is at stake like today. No, this one is about legacies and long-held grudges. This is Exhibit A for rivalry, for what the word truly means. This is Oklahoma versus Nebraska, the land, the people, and their teams.
3: Mike. What does that make you feel like I mean this that that is the end of it officially, not yeah. just the not just the, the the two you know two games on and off, it's over
5: yeah, yeah that's uh that was a sad, sad deal for me, and you know it, that, the fact that they played last year and they're going to play this year to me it's not the same thing. it's just you know it's it's something it's something entirely different from what that was um to my way of thinking. Um, because they, you know, being part of the same conference and and all those years and how they got in the same conference, going clear back and uh, it just—I don't know—it was—it was a sad moment when Nebraska went to the Big Ten and and left Oklahoma and now Oklahoma and Texas are going to the SEC and um, it just becomes more and more distance um, yeah, between mm-hmm. those programs, but. You know, there was a time, like I said, that was my favorite place to go for, for a road mm-hmm. games because that's what I grew up with. Norman, Oklahoma, was was the place, and everybody was so cordial down there, and you knew people, and um, mm-hmm. you know, it just isn't the same. and And uh, 2010, that was that was kind of the end of it. But it, you know, it it had changed by then anyway. But, but uh, not in my mind until the till the real end came.
3: Well, Rob, uh, I'll give you one question. Is there one question left, Rob, that you could throw out there from the from the crowd? Because this we've gone over two hours, and Mike, I got I. Just thank you so much for your time. And this mm-hmm. is exactly kind of what I thought it was going to happen. I I tried to tease you and say it was going to be maybe an hour, hour and a half. I knew wow. we were going to go for yeah. two hours. Paunch but he's on
4: metric time. It's like <laughs> twice what normal what we normally use. So. But
3: this this is great. But but Rob, pick the best thing that you best one that you want, and and we'll go out on that. And I and Mike, I'm going to also end this. I'm going to have you tell us one story that uh, you you had teased us with the last time you were on. So uh, but we'll wait to the to the very okay. end. Okay. Do you have a do you have a question there, Rob?
2: Sorry, there there aren't any more questions. It's mostly oh, just comments home? from people. So yeah, right. I just okay. uh, yeah we, we got through all the all the the good questions. Um, but I will like to say, Mike and Marty, thanks for listening again tonight. Um, big shout out to Honky's mom and dad. They they seem to be having <laughs> a blast watching this tonight. And also big shout out to all the redcasters. Uh, this is the most people that we have had watching. Um, any of our shows since we've started streaming live at at any given time consistently for the last two hours, we've had 27, 28 people, um, Online with us this whole time, and I've so, been seeing you.
3: over thirty on ours. And this is just—I mean, for two hours, yeah, really. Man. Thank you, Redcasters. Thank on, you on everybody. a Wednesday night. Yeah. Great job. So thank
2: you, thank you, everyone. And Mike, Mike, big thank to you because uh, you're a legend, man. I, I mean, we talk <laughs> about all these. No, but but seriously, we we talk about all these famous players and all these famous plays and these coaches and everything. And from what 1978 till now, there's one thing that's consistent through all of it, and that's you. Like you have been just there consistently and it's just so cool. Like that we even like you're with Hale varsity. We're with her at, it's like, we get to be associated with Mike Babcock. You follow me on Twitter. You follow the Redcast on Twitter. You comment, you retweet me. And I mean, to me, like I, I realize, and this is me swooning a little bit, but like for me kind of really recently getting into Husker history and understanding it all, I, I rely on you and the things that you put out there to, to educate myself and so the fact that you even will come on on a Wednesday night for over two hours because we were talking for a while before the show and do this for us um, for me it, it means a ton. So thank you yeah. so much. You're we, very kind to say that. Very. We've time. had
3: we've had a lot of great people. We've had Osborne on back in May. Um, this is for me. I, I've told the guys from day one, talking to Babcock, and, and we've also had Sipple and Chateau, and those are guys I, I, I have a lot of respect for. But, Mike, I mean, this is something I mean, I grew up every time I'd watch an NET show, you know, Devaney and Osborne thing, you're always on it. I'm reading your stuff. So to be able to sit here and 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 do this kind of chat for two hours is super cool. This is this is mm-hmm. I'm on cloud nine doing this. So the last the last time, Mike, that we talked to you, you said uh, that you'd want to tell us a story about the time you fell down in front of Osborne's car. <laughs> and uh, I think what what after two hours, I mean, we, we might, you know let's let's end it on a high note like yeah. that. tell us tell us that story.
5: Okay, so um, I'm working at the Journal Star, and you know, it's ninth uh, and uh, nine twenty six p street, but it's just right on the tenth uh, street runs down at that time. Tenth Street ran down right past the stadium. and uh, it was in the afternoon and and at that time, you didn't even have to clear interviews with the sports information office. You could just ask a player, you know, is it more convenient to talk to you before practice or after? And I don't remember who the player was, but somebody said, Hey, if you could talk to me before practice, that'd be great. Come over and meet me in the locker room area and, and we'll sit down and talk. So I'm, I go out and I'm uh, you can just walk down to the stadium from where the journal star building was. And I'm standing there at the, uh, 10th street and uh, Q. And, uh, and so I'd go across 10th street and then across Q street and right straight down to, to our right down 10th street to the, uh, to the stadium. And uh, so I'm standing there on the corner and, and I'm waiting for the light to change so I can go across 10th street. And uh, I hear somebody say, hey, hey, Mike, you want to ride? And it's, Coach Osborne, it's a one-way street coming down this way, and uh, and he's in his probably wheel club vehicle. And do I do do I want to ride? And I think they're playing Colorado that week. So instead of going across the street and across the street, I see traffic starting to come. So I go diagonal through the intersection to get to his car, and I'm not very fast, but I do a little bit of a jog. People dispute this, but I hit some gravel right in front of his car, and I go down in front of his car. Now, I've only been working at the paper for a couple years, and my first thought is just drive over me. You know, this is the end of it. How can I do this thing? My second thought was I'll get up and say, no, that's okay, coach. I'll walk, but it's obvious I can't even stand on my own two feet. So I I get in his car. Now, this happened a lot quicker than it seemed. I get in his car. I'm trying not to, you know, I scrape my leg, so I'm trying not to bleed on his car. And I look straight ahead. I don't even look at him. I just look straight ahead. He turns. We go down 10th Street. And he doesn't say anything until we almost get to the South Stadium lot. And then he says, you know, Mike, I don't think Colorado is taking us seriously enough. Do you? And I mumble something about no. And he parks his car and I get out and I hustle into the sports information office so he can't see where I went. He goes up on the elevator and Steve Peterson is working in the SID office. Now people are probably gonna get upset about that. <laughs> um, and uh, he comes over to me and he says, you know what you have to do when you go out to practice is walk up to him and then fall down like Chevy Chase, like you did it, like you did it on purpose. That's like no. I don't think I'm <laughs> going to do that. Uh, I'm wondering if I'm going to even do this job anymore, even though I just started. But th- my point is, I I don't to this day I don't know if Tom knew I disappeared in front of his vehicle or not, because he was so focused on the upcoming opponent, which I believe was Colorado, and it was a very good Colorado team but that's how focused Tom was. That's the what that's my story and I'm sticking with it, but um, yeah, that was my first thought. Just drive over me. That's the end of my, you know, how's that going, how's he going to take me seriously when I can't even walk across the street in front of his car?
3: <laughs> well, seriously, thank you so much, Mike. Thank you, Redcasters that are, you know, I know the comments are starting to come in now for all this and and thank you so much. I mean, this is two plus hours, but uh, Boomer, I mean, this was everything I was hoping to Oh, yeah, be.
4: absolutely. Yep. So I, I've always loved Bad Pack's work. And like I said, some guy that can actually talk about stuff that happened before Devanny is always welcome in my book. And <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate it. So, yeah.
3: And, and Redcasters, this is going to be, we're going to cut this thing up on YouTube. We're going to be sending out, uh, so you can, if you want to watch all two hours of it, awesome. If not, we're going to have these into segments and everything. And, uh, Thankfully, nothing happened. Uh, our, our computer didn't reboot or anything in the middle of it. So uh, I think we got through uh, pretty well. But uh, Mike, thank you so much. Uh, Rob, thank you for for playing back up here, Boomer. Uh, and until the next time, that's another Go Big
4: Redcast. Go Big Thanks, Red. Guys.